0: Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome all the way from uh, Pennsylvania, right? Dan Moeller. Come on, let's give him a great big God bless you. Let's stand and welcome him. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're honored <laughs> have just... The pulpit's yours, brother. The pulpit's yours. Hey, man. God
0: bless you. Go ahead and sit down. Let's do this thing. Whew. I'm wondering where I opened up to. I colored my Bible. Look at that. I really went for it. I'm thinking, we might want to read this. I just opened it up. It was just beautiful. Actually, in my Bible, purple is Christian conduct. It's, it's what God says we're called to live. Purple in my Bible. Christian conduct. Do you think the Bible, this is just where, I just opened my Bible. I could scroll and you'll see it. Do you think that's a lot of purple? There's a lot of purpose to the Christian life. If we're not careful in this country, we've sold like, get forgiven and get your name in a book called Life so that when you die, you would go to the right place. That's really what people preach and that's what people, that's all they believe. Let's just get forgiven Wow, Jesus died on the cross to forgive me so that when I die, I can go to heaven. I grew up. That's all I ever heard growing up. And then I look at my Bible. That's Christian conduct. That's Christian living. That's what I'm going to live when my life is in Christ. Like, that's just two pages. Oh! Come <laughs> on. Did Jesus die on the cross to forgive our sins? Absolutely. Is it important? You better believe it. It's amazing, and we ought to be very, very excited. More than that, you ought to receive it. You ought to just let Him forgive you. You ought to let Him love you. You ought to stop fighting and say, "Well, I don't know, but I did a lot of. Well, you don't know, but I just stop." He loves you. He'd have never hung on that cross. Yeah. What are you expecting me to get wild? What? Okay, man. Okay, man. I just—I <laughs> thought you saw something I didn't see yet. I thought I was ready to break out. I didn't know. I'm glad to be here. Do you know why I'm here? Because I want to be. I'm here because I want to be. I could be a lot of places this weekend and I could be at home. The Lord didn't come in my room and manifest and say, make sure you travel on this weekend. I'm here because I want to be. Pretty simple, there's nothing attached to that. There's another reason I travel because I absolutely with 100 percent conviction, believe what I'm telling you this weekend. Amen. Whatever it is, I'm not going to say it if I don't believe it, if I don't live it, if I'm not experiencing it. I'm not here to teach you the Bible. I'm here to cry out my heart, what we become through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and the Bible comes alive in that light, light. The Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. We're to follow Jesus. The word. You you don't even know the word. Until it becomes your life. It's the whole goal. That you become what he paid for. And he paid for a whole lot more. And you guys are taught amazing here. Some people might be visiting. Who's not from this actual house. And just visiting in. You just came because you knew we were doing this. Oh it's a whole bunch of y'all. Wow welcome. Yeah. So listen I'm just going to probably go crazy here and just pour out my heart. I feel like I don't have a whole lot of time with y'all. I got like one shot tonight and tomorrow, so we ought to make it good. <laughs> Instead of just shoot from the hip, we're just hold it right here. Make sure we hit. I grew up in church. I never heard what I understand now. I never heard what I'm going to cry out to you this weekend. Nobody ever told it to me. Nobody ever stood in a pulpit and explained to me why Jesus really died on that cross and why God sent his son until I got in a bedroom on the night I got saved and I opened the Bible and I was desperate to know God and I said I have to know you and I know you're in that book and I can't even tell you how scripture began to come alive the first page that was open you know how I just flipped my Bible here and I was showing you all that purple I just opened my Bible there's nothing super spiritual or spooky about it I just opened my Bible and I went whoa purple look at that (laughs) If we were just praying a prayer to get forgiven and go to heaven when we die, there wouldn't be so much instruction on what life looks like in Christ. There wouldn't be page after page after page of purple in my Bible of instruction of what life looks like in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So I'm reading. I open up my Bible. I'm praying. i mean, and I'm ready to read my Bible. And I have it on my chest. And I'm doing this. I'm laying in my bed crying. It's the morning. I got saved that night. I don't know how much I slept. I was pretty overwhelmed. I had a real God encounter. It was amazing. And in the morning, I woke up. I must have dozed off because I woke up, and I was so aware of the Lord. It's like he put this reality in my heart. I couldn't, couldn't escape. It was like, you're real. And I was overwhelmed. But I woke up, and I'm, I don't know where you come from. you back. But I was praying in tongues. Like, you say, boy, you got deceived quick. I don't <laughs> That's what people say nobody talked me into nothing. Nobody prayed for me. Nobody sat and taught me. Nobody said say yabba dabba backwards three times and you got it. I just woke up and I'm praying in tongues aware of the Lord. And I don't know what else to tell you, but it was amazing, and I was crying. And I was overwhelmed and I knew, and I kept saying it the night before and that morning, I kept saying, my life will never be the same. My life will never be the same. This changes everything. I'm changed forever. I was all, I'm just saying it all the time. Man, if you'd have heard me praying as I was getting a hold of this, I had a a leader tell me to cool down and back off praying. I'm going to set myself up for failure and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, no, I believe this stuff. Like, with all my setting up for no failure, I'm believing. I'm releasing faith to receive grace so truth becomes my reality and not my doctrine. Are you all with me? No, I'm going to get free here in a minute. I'm just being easy and gentle with you all. I don't want to scare nobody. <laughs> I have my Bible I have my Bible like this and I'm crying and I said i got to know you i got to know who you are and I know you're in this book I know you're in this book you got to show me who you are and I'm desperate I'm crying and I said okay okay. i got to read i got to read somewhere I don't know where to read I had to look for my Bible I didn't know where a Bible was in my house but I knew we had one somewhere and I actually knew I had one somewhere I found it in my underwear drawer it's not good hiding under my sponge bobs <laughs> I don't know why it was there <laughs> I guess nobody would have looked there I don't know <laughs> I didn't read my Bible I couldn't even tell you but I knew I had a Bible in the house I found it in my underwear drawer I grabbed it I crawled in bed I did this when I laid my Bible down on my lap to read I was in 1 Corinthians 13 you all know what that's called it's called the Love Chapter. It's a whole lot of good stuff in Corinthians 13. But when I looked down, Gabe, all I could see was one phrase. It's like it's the only thing I could see. I can't explain it. I don't have these encounters. I never saw my Bible. I'm not a Bible plunker. I'm not like, okay, Lord, where do you want me to read? Woo! I'm not like that. But that morning, it was supernatural. I laid my Bible down, and I looked, and all I saw was if you have not love. You have nothing. Come on. I can't even tell you how that affected me. If you have not love, you got nothing. And we're preaching prayer prayer so you can go to heaven. If you die tonight and don't know where you're going, pray the prayer. But if you got not love, you got nothing. And then you read and it goes on to say, I can have knowledge of all mysteries, not some mysteries, not most mysteries, all mysteries. I can have faith to move every mountain that stands in front of me. I'm unlimited in this understanding, and I'm unlimited in faith. Come on, that's a spiritual icon to us. That's the closest thing to Jesus you've ever seen. Knowledge of all mysteries, faith to move every mountain, but if you don't have love, you've got nothing. But in this world that we live in the christian church world that's an icon that's the keynote speaker at a world conference faith to move mountains every mountain knowledge of all mysteries you want prayer you're pulling back your hair you want impartation lay it right here man i'm being real and yet the bible says if you don't have love you're missing the whole point point. and i can't tell you how it marked me i can't tell you how it convicted me and, and how far I knew I lived from love. I started reading and I saw that love is patient. That was never me. Love is kind. Forget that. He goes on to say, it doesn't seek its own. It doesn't take account of the wrong done to it. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. It's not puffed up and proud. I mean, I'm reading and I'm going, wow, this love thing is powerful. And then I'm realizing it's exactly what he's doing to me. He's loving me. I've done nothing right. He came and convicted me. I didn't do anything right. I didn't make any changes. He just came and showed me the condition of my heart and how selfish I was and that I didn't even know if God was real and that I was lost and confused that I didn't even know who I was and that I didn't even like me. I needed you to like me to believe I was likable. So I was insecure. I was self-conscious. I was low-esteemed. I was what a lot of people are. And yet he came to me at work that night. Why? Because that ain't what he sees. And this is what he began to teach me. He sees me for what he created me for, what I'm on the earth for. He sees me for what I've never seen. That's why Jesus said, Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They're so much more than what they're doing. They're so, they can be so much more than what they're thinking, what they're living, what they're acting. Forgive them, Father. Why is he on the cross? He knows what he made man to be. He knows what man will look like if he's yielded and surrendered and God lives in him. And he says, man, I will pay the highest price to redeem that truth. We think it's just to redeem people. He's redeeming a truth. He came to save that which was lost, not who, that. A thing was lost called purpose. God made man in his image, in his likeness, both male and female. Women, you're in this thing with me. You ain't here to serve me. You're here to run with me. Come on, girls. You say amen. That's your cue. (laughs) Let me tell you why women make man complete and why it's not good that man be alone. Because God made man power packed with who he is and God made man to love like God loves. Without the woman, there's no expression, no avenue. And I'm not talking sexual. I'm talking love. I'm talking lay down your life for the highest sake of another. There is nowhere for man to manifest the glory of what God put inside of him. So now the man would be in the same dilemma God's in before he makes the man. Why did God make the man? To express himself, to reveal himself, to make himself known through the man. Now he looks around sees all the animals. They all have a comparable partner. There's all, and he says, the man don't have, there's nowhere for this man to go from here. He's not alone. He's not lonely. He's filled with God. You think he's lonely? You think he's got itches and, and drives and saying, boy, I got something going on. I don't know what I need, but I need something. Oh, you need a woman. Stop it. Oh, stop it. I watched my expression and language. There's a lot of little ones in here tonight. But I was ready to bring it straight. But I, but I used wisdom, brother, in your house. No, it ain't, it's crazy. People say, well, see, but God said it ain't good to be alone. I'm just so lonely. He wasn't lonely. He's full of God. He's fulfilled. He's complete in the Lord. But now he's totally complete with the woman because he has an avenue of expression so that the image can multiply till the whole earth is filled with his glory. Come on, come on, so good. Come on. Look what that's become. Look what relationships have become. Look, Look at the psychology behind it, even the Christian understanding of relationships. Come on. You got Adam. He's filled with God. God breathes into him. He's lacking no good thing. He says, Man, it ain't good that he be alone. He reaches into Mark. He doesn't make another lump of clay. That's right. That's right. He reaches into the fullness of God in Mark and he brings out April. And he makes what was one, two, so two can be one. And in synergism, two wills, two souls, two beings come together with a higher expression, synergism, and express God. And he said, Man, this is good. Be fruitful, and multiply. What's the first thing we hear? Because we've been so shattered in innocence. We've been so be fruitful, and multiply. The first thing we hear is, Woo, get it on and have a baby. He's talking about the image over and over in the likeness. What he's saying is multiply my image, multiply the nature, manifest me. Why? Each seed after his own kind, they come together in love. They have this union, this covenant where God joins together. Let no man put asunder. They cleave to one another in oneness, in the manifestation of God. Their children have that same revelation. Their children, same revelation, till the whole earth is full of his glory. That's why in Moses' day when Israel was messing up bad, you read the stories, it's painful. They get themselves in bondage, for, and then they cry out for deliverance. God raises up deliverance. Then they go for good for a little while, get themselves in bondage. Ah, it's just ah, it's terrible. And in the middle of all that mess, Moses is going through some more clothes. He's throwing more dirt in his hair. It's not good. I mean, I I figure he must have had a guy just following him around with robes like he's tearing (laughs) clothes all the time. ah, God, would you forgive? And he's throwing dirty hair. At one point, God said, yeah, I'll relent. I'll forgive him. He said, but let me tell you something, Moses. God talking. As surely as I live, the whole earth shall be full of my glory. Why is he saying that then? Because he's looking at humanity, fallen and deceived, separate from him under the law, bound and deceived. And they're failing and they're cycling and they're spinning. And it looks nothing like God created and nothing like God intended. And in the middle of that, God, the love, God is love, right? The love of God. He's looking at men and he says, let me tell you something, Moses. I ain't moved by that. I don't quit. I don't give up. What I set out for is going to come to pass. And there is going to be a people that know me and walk in me, that are surrendered, that manifest me, that live my nature, live my image, that walk in love. And you're going to see it. And my glory is going to be revealed till the whole earth is filled with who I am. Filled with the glory literally means filled with who I am. Any revelation of who God is manifested. Any attribute of God revealed is the glory of God revealed. Like like God's glory revealed is the manifestation of who God is. It's not a a mist, a fog. It's not a strobe light. It's the manifestation of God. Any attribute, any, any expression of the person of God is the glory of God revealed. The Christ in you gave. Oh, the Christ that's in you is the hope of the glory of God. What's he saying, Gabe? The Christ in you is the hope of making God seen and known and realized. You multiply that by a room called the church. See, if we get on page and this becomes our faith, this becomes our sincere desire. Understand we have challenges. Understand people don't do things that we hope and do things that we wish they didn't. None of that has anything to do with what I'm talking about. See, we get tricked into letting things matter more than what matters most. And all of a sudden, we become a product of what people say, people do, how life unfolds. And all of a sudden, our circumstances are deciding who we are and how we're doing. And who I am and how I'm doing has nothing to do with how life's unfolding. Has nothing to do with the decisions of my family, my children, my wife. I promise you. We say Jesus is Lord. We ought to let him be. See, here's what we've preached in America. We've preached that Jesus is in place to make my life go better and go the way I hope. That's why you have so many discouraged people that go to church. Because it has nothing to do with the gospel. What the gospel has to do with is when you squeeze me, Jesus ought to come out. Come on, when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Be weird if it was apple. Why isn't it weird when you squeeze a Christian and get everything but Christ? Man, that ought to be weird. Wonder if the devil's learned just to put a little pressure on people and find out what they understand, what they believe, and what they don't understand. Wonder if our adversity, our adversity, and our response to adversity is giving us away. Wonder if it's inviting even more adversity. Wonder if our own understanding is our own demise. Wonder if you're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. I think I read that somewhere. So, if we get the knowledge, we can stop destruction. Not be unaware of his devices and give him no place so you love not your own life unto death you don't pray a prayer to go to heaven you love not your own life unto death you don't become a christian for your sake you become a christian for his great namesake listen you love not your own life unto death if that's true why am i so discouraged in circumstances when i'm already dead for a cause i'm already dead to live a truth I'm on the earth for my life to go better. I'm on the earth to live His life that's in me. Come on. When I wake up in the morning, I wake up to shine. I wake up to live by the Spirit. I wake up to love. I don't wake up to need you to love me or I'm only as good as you're doing me. And now you become the reason I am whatever I am and now I have a justification and it's you. That's weak. And that ain't going to fly in the end. That's going to be called unbelief. And you can't even do that in your marriage. You can't stand before God and say, well, if you were to change my spouse, didn't you hear me praying? Well, man, my spouse, I can't believe you even let me marry that woman. I don't know where. No. You ain't even gonna be able to say that when you stand before him. You're gonna be already be, oops. And know that you let something matter more than what was mattering most. Because whatever happened to cover a multitude of sin with love? Whatever happened to mercy triumphs over judgment? Whatever happened to tone down a harsh word with a kind word? Man, it takes two to do this. It takes one to pursue peace. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Now, a lot of people go to church, but you're called to live like a son. That means a daughter. Look, if I can be a bride, you can be a son. Come on, girl. You ought to see me in my dress. I look good to the king. I just... <laughs> He forgave me of everything I've ever done. On that night, I said, I'll live for you. I didn't know what I meant, but I knew I was serious. I just said, if you're really real, if you love me, have a plan for my life and can forgive me of all these things I see, I'll live for you. He said, that's all I've been waiting for. I want you. He just came on me. He never left, he ain't gonna change his mind. The last 27 years feels like a dream, a blur, a flash. I'm like, if, if I'm in a dream, leave me go. Just don't wake me up. Doesn't mean everything's going well. It doesn't mean everybody's always treated me right. In fact, I've got a whole history of challenges in the flash, in the natural, but none of them feel like challenges. You see, and I were talking about it today, none of them feel like challenges. I wouldn't trade any of it in. I'm not a Christian for things to go well. I'm a Christian to manifest Christ in the midst of whatever's going. And I'm not picking a fight. I'm not stupid. I'm not arrogant. I'm not puffed up. I'm not picking a fight. I'm not like, well, devil, I ain't afraid of you. No. I'm saying, go ahead and squeeze me. Because there's only one thing that's coming out of me. I ain't picking a fight, but I ain't afraid of one. You know what the fight is that you fight? You know what your fight is? It ain't the devil, it sure ain't people. Do you know what your fight is? It's the good fight of faith. The only fight you're in is to continue to believe what he paid for and what he created you to be in the midst of adversity. Don't ever change what you see. Don't ever change what you believe. Your fight is the good fight of faith. Satan comes, Roman, looking like a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, seeking who he may devour. You resist him, standing steadfast in, not in faith, in the faith. Ooh, he's talking about something specific now, the faith. He didn't say faith. He said the faith. I can show you established in the faith, obedience to the faith. I can show you the word the in front of faith a lot in the New Testament. Faith is one thing. That's a tool in your belt, healing, promotion, job, protection over your children, believing your child's coming home, just faith in stuff. But the faith is different. The faith is a perspective you and I are all supposed to have of who we've become now that he came Come on. and who we are now that he did what he did on that cross.
2: Yes.
0: Yes. And that's where you find the unity of faith. That's where you find oneness. That's where you find an army that's locked and rising up. Yeah? Come on, I do this everywhere I go. I do this. Stand up with me. Can you help me? Come on, man. Spin around. What's your name? Noah. Noah? I like that, man. Did you really build that (laughs) ark? Noah, Dan, we're here. We're a family. We've been hanging out for a month doing church together. Are you going to mistake me and Noah? Are you going to come up and say, hey, Dan, to Noah and say, ah, I'm sorry. i always get you two mixed up. Are you going to mix us up? You ain't doing it, are you? Why? We don't look nothing alike. You ain't coming up to me, calling me no, and saying, duh, forgive me, man. You look just like him. The truth is, we don't look anything alike. The truth is, just between us, there's probably a whole lot of diversity, preferences, flavor, desire, stuff. We're different. Different calling, different grace, different falsity of grace, empowerment. We're different. But here's the thing. We don't look anything alike, but we can both look just like him. And that's what makes us one. And that's what makes us brothers. And I live in Pennsylvania. Do you live here? He lives way down here, man. It's real. This place is really here. We're up in PA. (laughs) I'm way up in Pennsylvania. He's way down here. And watch this. We can both wake up on Monday morning, God willing, and he doesn't come back and get us all, which I don't think he's coming yet. He ain't ready to come. There's too many people ain't ready. I don't think most of us really, really, really want him to come. I don't know that we've stored up many treasures in heaven. I'm not talking to you personally. I'm talking at large. We, we better be ready for him to come. Some of our family ain't ready. Some of us ain't ready. But watch this. Noah can wake up Monday morning. I can wake up Monday morning. I'm thousands of miles away. I'm 1,500. I don't know what it is. But, but, but he's down here and I'm up there. But watch this. Noah and I can both wake up for the same reason. We can both wake up to shine. We can both wake up to love. We can both wake up to manifest Christ. Watch. We can both wake up believing nobody owes us a thing. And the whole reason we're alive is to manifest the goodness of God. That's what makes us one. That's how God's going to cover the earth with His glory. When people don't just go to church, but they actually become her. And they actually manifest the will and nature of God in their lives. That's what makes us one. Amen? Yeah, it's just true. So... So let me go back to this, I'm in my bedroom, he says, if you don't have love, you have nothing. Guys, that pierced me, I can't even tell you how it pierced me. You can have knowledge of all mysteries, that's what people pursue. People pursue words, they pursue prophecy, they pursue mountain moving faith, like we're pursuing all these attributes without pursuing who he is. He's love, like God is love. And love, it doesn't fail. It's patient, it's kind, it it never fails. It doesn't seek its own. Takes no account. How much account? Some account? A little bit of account now and then? weighs the assessor's story? Looks at the facts and decides? Or takes no account? Man, there was things I think I did when I was young because I grew up in church and after I left going to church when I was 18 and there was a conviction in me all the time. Whoever wasn't, whoever went to church and then you weren't living God and you thought about it all the time and you had inner conviction all the time and you did things and you thought about it all the time and you thought about that you weren't right with God. Whoever did that and you just let time go by and just time go by and you just, you couldn't even get out of your head. Like you knew you were messed up. But you stayed messed up and you didn't do nothing about it, but you were convicted. It's like you couldn't live apart from him without thinking about being apart from him. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know what that is? That's called the love of God. Like, he, he, if he turned that off, like brute beasts, we'd walk off into darkness and be destroyed. But he's going, psst, psst, psst. And I used to hate the conviction. I'd be like, would you just get away from me? There was a time in my life I took my Bible and I screamed at it like it was a person, yelled at it like it was out of my mind. I said, I wish I didn't know what you said. I wish you weren't in my mind. I wish you'd get out of my face. Do you hear me? Get out of my face. I said, you never let me do what I want to do. Hello? <laughs> I threw my Bible against the wall. I'm teaching God a lesson now. I throw him against the wall. He what I want to do. Whoa! Uh-huh, that's exactly what it sounded like. Yeah, playback, yeah. And I freaked out and screamed. Thirteen years later, fourteen years later, he comes walking into my workplace. The last thing I said to God was, I, get out of my face. You know what people say? Fine, forget you then. And you just cut somebody off and think nothing of it. If I'm reading my Bible right, when I said that, he wanted me all the more. He said, boy, am I going to get you. Boy, am I going to get you. Why? Because he knows I'm deceived. He knows that ain't who I need to be. He knows I can be more. He knows if he gets a hold of me and gets in me, everything changes. He don't give up. Love never fails. We put time frames on love. We let time change truth. Yeah. Well, if they didn't change by now, they ain't never going to change. We've been praying and praying. Some people are just willful. You know, they just set their will, to, and you know how to, and then we just give up. And we have a language that he doesn't speak. If he spoke that language, I'm lost, and you probably are lost. And I'm saying, well, if he don't speak that, where'd we get the language? Here's the deal. When Adam sinned in the garden, you all know this. Most of you know this. But I'm just, I'm just throwing this out. When he sinned in the garden, God said, when you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he was never made for that. He was made for innocence. He was made to know God. He was just made to know God. It's enough. Just know God. You don't need the knowledge of good and evil. You are not need to deal with it. Don't you even touch the tree. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. I just made you to know me. When you eat that tree, the day you eat that tree is the day you surely die. He didn't fall over dead. Read your Bible. He didn't fall over dead. So if God said the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die, he didn't lie. Something had to die. What died? The image. Everything he made him to be. That breath he breathed into him, he got separated and cut off from God. Now watch this. Who knows God's love? Ain't nobody arguing that, right? So if God makes him in his image, it's not glory, majesty. It's not all the names of God. God. God is love. Everything that God does flows out of who he is. He doesn't do love. He is love. So God made man to love. He loves you women so much that when he saw himself in Adam, he said, oh, now it's time. And he brought out the woman because now he can love her like God loves him. And now they can come together in that covenant love and reproduce and keep multiplying after their own kind. We've turned it into, most of the time when we say I love you, you know what it means? It means I need you. It's emotional, feels real, but it's usually in vulnerability. it's in need, because we can say I love you and the next day have an argument and tell each other off. We can say I love you and then not speak for three days. We can have three kids and believe all of a sudden we hate somebody. It means you never did love because love never fails. You need it. You know, people say, don't ever leave me. I don't know what I'd do if i lose you. It would just break my heart. That's idolatry. There's only one that deserves that. You don't find your identity through people. You find your identity through Christ so you can finally love people. The only people who can break your heart is the people you let break your heart through lack of understanding. Like, watch this. I'm going to be bold. I don't know if you can handle this right now, but I'm going to go for it because it's in my heart, so I'm going to take a risk. My wife has no ability to break my heart. I love her. And I'm fulfilled in Christ. So I don't wake up for my wife to do anything for me. Right. Yeah. I wake up to be like him, and that just works. So we have an amazing relationship. That's right. yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I didn't wake up for you to love me. I didn't wake up to expect a thing out of you. I didn't fly down here without own expectations, except that if he gives me my mic, I'm going to preach Jesus.
2: Come
0: on. Uh, so you can't break my heart. You can't fail me. You can't let me down. I don't find myself through you. I don't have insecurity. I'm not low esteemed. I'm not trying to get accolade. I don't need affirmation. Are you kidding me? Jesus died on a cross and shed his blood to put his life in me. That's affirmation. And he said, your life is worth living. I don't need you to tell me that now. I got the gospel. No, we've lived off of each other, guys. And we think it's normal and if you talk outside of that then you ain't relating and you ain't keeping it real. Keeping it what? Keeping it worldly, secular, human wisdom? What fruit did we produce believing those things? No, you just have a reason to not be like him. You have a reason to be hurt. You have a reason to be devastated. You have a story to back up your emotional makeup. No, I do not need a justification to live my life outside of Christ. Because I got a reason. To live Christ. Amen. Come on. And I can tell you stories about my wife and get in details. I'm not exploiting her. She went through her own struggles. There was things that happened. She went in identity crisis. There was stuff that happened. But what I'm telling you is true. It's why I'm so passionate and so adamant. When am I ever a man with a problem? Why isn't she just in trouble? She needs Jesus. He lives in me. Now's not the time to be another frustrated husband on the earth. On. Self-centered It says, I love you. I love you if things are going the way I want. No, she's hurting. She's believing wrong things. She needs compassion. She needs patience. She needs everything that love is, and love is God. Yeah. She doesn't need me broken, and I got a lot on my plate. And she needs to pull it together so I can. Keep. I mean, she's being so insane. This is terrible timing, Mark. You got to pray for us if she don't change soon. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what you're going to do. You're going to live like Christ, and you're going to walk in love. You're going to live by the Spirit, and you're not going to let the weakness of your spouse become your highest strength. Mm. Are we okay? See, the reason I'm a madman is because I live this way, and you're way too late to talk me out of it. No. My kids ran off and did crazy things, seeking their own identity. They got ripped by God. My family's doing great. It all came around. Why? If you teach and train them in the way they should go, they grow old, they're not going to depart. You can't fall apart when they fall apart. You're not leaving a testimony. You're not an epistle to be read by men. You don't get into weakness because they're in weakness. You don't let what they don't see become your vision. Jesus is the light of the world. You don't live off of a painful yesterday story <coughs> Excuse me. that says... You know, why be in a different place if it wasn't for, well, you don't know what we've been through. And yeah, she, she did that. Yeah. And then at the same time, my son and then my daughter even, I mean, it was like I was all alone and all three at the same. Come on. What is that? What am I looking from you? Now the highest grace I've received is that you care about my painful story. How's that make me free? How's that change anything? So now I'm reduced to getting sentiment and sympathy and call it compassion. Oh, I can feel a little bit of stuff in the room right now. No, I feel it. It's a little crazy right now. That's okay. I ain't backing down. I ain't afraid of nobody in this room. I'm just having fun. But actually, I'm not. Because you can't kill me. What are you going to do? Shoot me and send me to Jesus? What are you going to do? Shoot me and send me to Jesus. Okay. Aim good. Aim good. Come on, I'm in Alabama. The police tried to get me out of a service. They said, people don't like what you're saying. They're mad you're here. They think you're a heretic. And they said, if you come to town and we give you a mic, they're going to kill you. You ain't getting out of here safe. And I'm like, this is nuts. They said, well, we're here to make sure. And we're going to shatter you and take you. And I said, you ain't doing none of that. That's intimidation. If you yield to it, you got to run from it the rest of your life. If they say they're going to kill me, let's let it play out, see if they can. Just deal with it. Well, brother, you got to use wisdom. Who's your fear or faith in God? Protecting your own well-being? Yeah, but you got a family, you got kids. Now you're bringing all the sentiment in. Wonder if you just trust the Lord. Wonder if your life is surrendered and you love not your own life unto death, so death doesn't ever become a threat. Wonder if threat isn't a fear. Wonder if threat is an issue. See, if threat's a fear, and you get a terminal diagnosis, you'll never pray the prayer of faith. You'll pray because you're afraid you're dying. A thousand people can pray for somebody dying and all there is afraid he's dying because they love him and he's a man of God and they can't believe he has cancer and they're perplexed and they're even wondering why God and how come God and why didn't God and, and they're fasting and they're praying and he dies and now everybody's in turmoil. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you fear, you have no authority over. Fear just has a language and we call it prayer. you all right? No, it's just clear, man. I ain't playing. He, he shed his blood. He got beat. Gabe, he let men hit him till you couldn't recognize him. Who does that when they're innocent? Somebody that knows something. Somebody knows what I'm worth to him. See, nobody preached that to me. You preach that in today's world? You're a heretic. They'll put your picture on YouTube or on the internet with devil horns and say you're a demonic preacher. You're foul. You're saved by the skin of your teeth. You're evil and wicked. You should be glad God considers you. When you start talking that Jesus died on the cross to redeem your value, your purpose, and your potential, people wig out. Because their whole life they preached He died on the cross because I'm a sinner. Wonder if he had to die because my sin cost him his life, but he didn't die just because I'm a sinner. He died to redeem truth and restore truth and put his life back inside of me and get me back to the Father so that I can live in the spirit. Does anybody pay a high price for nothing in this room? Do we got any like foolish shoppers? Do you like go out and do you jack up the price? You go to buy like something at Walmart and say, look, I think you got this price low. I'm just feeling good today. I know you got this, what's the, price of, what's the average price of a bottle of shampoo, ladies, help me? What's an average price? Just some, $5, okay, so you go in there and you get the shampoo and you go up to the thing and you say, you know, I'm just feeling so happy today and I feel like you got this like, well, it might be price okay, but I'm gonna give you 10 for it just because I'm gonna give you 10. <laughs> nope, you're waiting for it to be on sale. You're looking for two for one. You're looking for buffet, all you can eat. You and buy one, get one free. At least buy one 50% off the next one. Ain't nobody going to a car lot and saying, whoa, that's a beautiful car. Yeah, that's a beautiful car. Yeah, that's really beautiful. No, that's beautiful. Man, and I checked that price. I Kelly Blue booked that thing. I even ran the I even ran that report and just to see if it was in any accident. This is a good car, man. In fact, you have it priced like 100 hundred. 200 bucks under Kelly Blue Book. I think that's amazing that you're doing that. I always figured you guys would jack up the price, get it low at an auction, and da, da, da. I'll tell you what, I'm so impressed with this car. I know you got it marked for ten five, but I won't give you 12 for it. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody does that. So why don't we understand the cross? Who does what Jesus did? Right. If he doesn't believe the purchased possession... That's you. The purchased possession isn't worth what was paid. He seems to think so. Call it heresy if you want. and Don't walk in righteousness and push off God and live in a false humility if you want. But I'm going to receive... Romans 5, the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness and reign as a king in life. You do what you want with it. But I'm telling you, he knows what he paid for. He knows exactly what you'll look like if he gets in you and you surrender. And he says, man, that's worth the price of my blood. I will wash away your sin. I will make you stand before me holy, blameless, and above reproach. I will fill you with my life, fill you with my wisdom. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you hunger, you'll be filled and you will manifest my glory. I'll pay for that. Yeah, I'll take him. (sighs) And you think I'm going to walk in some false humility and say words that tear that down? You say, well, you're being proud. No, the failure to receive what he paid for is being proud because grace receives, pride resists. If he says, I love you, and you fight with him loving you, that's called pride. That's not humility. That's called deception. If you're going to grab your identity of low esteem because the world taught you, see, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Let me just say it straight, and we'll just get somewhere. Adam gets separated from God when he sins. He's naked. He's ashamed. It's a sad story. His wife gave him to eat, and he followed her. He heeded her voice instead of God. So he had God's voice, but he heeded hers, which was deceived. What she was saying is what the serpent said. So the serpent already made a little disciple. She's repeating the serpent. So this is this war we're in. Each seed after its own kind. The devil's trying to multiply himself. God wants to multiply himself. You know them by the fruits. He gets a little disciple. He deceives her. He gets her to follow what he said. And she's so deceived, she starts saying what he said as if it's truth. But Adam has the word of the Lord, but he heeds her instead of the Lord. Now he's really guilty, treason, bam. It's the day you surely die. He didn't fall over dead. What died? The image, he got separated from God and his sin separated him. So he's hiding. God walks in the cool of the day. It says, when Adam ate, it says they saw they were naked what happened for the first time they saw themselves all they knew was god they're innocent people say they were so clothed with the glory they couldn't see their private parts stop it like the, like the, their private parts were covered with like the palm leaves of glory and eve's just strutting through And you can't see nothing because glory's over those parts. Stop it. They didn't see themselves. There was innocence. There was no lust. There was no self-centeredness. There was no twisted sexual drive. People say God gave man his sex drive when he said be fruitful, multiply. If he did, it's not the one we had growing up. Because Adam gave us that. Did a real good job. Of giving us separation from God. Let me tell you what happened. He gets cut off. God comes and he says, Adam, where are you? He's looking for Adam. Who knows he knows where Adam is. He's not like, you have really fooled me this time. I've looked everywhere. He's given him a chance to come out. To approach him and come. The fact that he comes down means he's a father. He's a covenant God. He could have stayed up and said, you bunch of worthless, I give you one commandment and you can't even follow it. Instead, he comes down and says, Adam, just like any other day to walk in the court, where are you? But he can't find him. He must get close. You know, he get close. Adam finally says, ah, I'm right here. He says, ah, I was naked, so I hid myself. Yes or no question, Adam, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat the tree that I forbid you? Does God know he ate the tree? Why is he asking the question? Giving him a chance to respond. Teaching us along the way. What's the first effect of sin in your Bible? The very first effect of sin. is the first expression of Adam after he's naked and sees himself. Sees himself. Did you eat the tree that I forbid you to eat? Guess what he said? Uh, It was the woman that you gave me, for she gave me to eat. That's not a yes. That's a justified, safe face yes. Haven't we done that in our lives? Haven't we been wrong and we soft peddled the wrong to try to make it sound not so wrong? He couldn't even say yes. Because he was self centered, self focused, self justified, and self defending. Why? Because he's cut off from the source of love and the source of life. And he's separate unto himself. He's a God unto himself. It's the day he surely died. God asked him a yes or no question. And you know what he said? Well, I mean, if you, when they gave me the woman, not sure I'd ate the tree. So work it out. Isn't that what he's saying? Yeah. The first expression and expression of sin in your Bible is self-centeredness, self-protection, self, self-justification, self-defense.
2: Well,
0: Why do you think Jesus came to the earth in Matthew 16 and said, if any man come after me and wants to follow me, there's something I need you to do. I need you to deny yourself. Why? You were never made for you. You were made for His image, and you were made for His glory. Come on! If you put metal in a microwave, you will mess it up. Read the manufacturer's handbook. Microwaves were not made for metal. And if you keep putting metal in that microwave, do you ever do it by accident? Did you ever leave a fork on there? Do you ever leave a aluminum foil on something and you hit the button and go, "Whoa!" Shut right? You pray in tongues and don't even believe in it. You just freaked out you ever do it read the manufacturer's handbook it wasn't made for that it's just in the design it has to do as it's a reaction it ain't good and if you keep doing it what are you going to do to the product you're going to destroy the microwave watch read the manufacturer's handbook men were not made for themselves they were made for the glory and image of god and if you continue to live for yourself you're just going to ruin the product you don't incorporate him into your life. He becomes your life. You just don't, so don't become a Christian for blessings and provision and protection. Yeah. Such a self-centered gospel in this country. Just coming to Jesus for a better life. Come to Jesus to fix the things you broke and fill your vats and barns. No, it's to put his life inside of you so you can live by the Spirit. And not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And walk in the light as he's in the light. First expression of sin. Self-defense. What happened? God made Adam to love. God made Adam to love. And then he reached in to that love. And brought out the woman of the man. Woe man of the man. So the two could be one in that Love. When Adam got cut off from the source of love, he became in need of love. And every man since that day was born into Adam. And you must be born again. We've turned it into a prayer that changes my destination when I die. We've been so deceived. From the time you were born, you have no identity and you have self-centeredness at the core. You didn't have to study to be angry. You didn't have to hit the books and stay up late to be offended. You didn't have to master pride or self-awareness or self-consciousness. It came natural by instinct through the fall of man. And every person that was ever born, Romans 5, was born into Adam. And you must be born again. What's he talking about? A whole new motive. A transformation. Why does he say old things pass away? Behold all things. Think he's talking about will? Do you think he's talking about purpose? Motive? Watch this. Every one of us grew up. Had no idea who we are. We were so in need. It was ridiculous. That's why our stories seem so important to us. We all have stories. And most of them aren't good. They're actually validations for why we're living the way we're living. But they're not answers for freedom. They're just validations for why we're living what we're living. Well, you don't know what I've been through. <laughs> well, you can be glad you weren't in my shoes. Well, my dad wasn't even there. Well, my mom whipped me, and what uncle did to me is unthinkable. Come on. So watch this. We all grew up. We need support, stability, appreciated. We need valued. We need protected. Cause we don't know who we are, and we got self-centeredness at the core. You take the binky from the little baby who can't even talk yet, and she ain't done with the binky, or he ain't done with the binky. You take the binky from the baby that ain't done with the binky. <laughs> <laughs> ah!
2: Ah!
0: They get a little older, you take the little cubby. Eh, mine, eh, mine. Eh. Where did they get that? Did they learn that or is it just there? People say, well, God gave us emotions. Don't you give him that credit. He didn't give you the emotions you grew up with. Adam gave you them. And every one of them, the reason they're so chaotic is because they're all hinged on the self-centered wellspring. Every man born in this planet was born into separation from God and self-centeredness at the core of his heart. And we all needed love. That's why we look at it for it in all kinds of places. We're finding identity through each other at a very young age. We're nothing more than how we've responded to how it unfolded. And our story becomes the truth about our lives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you go to grade school and you're old enough now, kids, all of a sudden, you're wearing something, you're innocent, you're wearing something, but kids are older and, and can be brutal, right? And they look and now they're laughing and you realize they're laughing at you. And you're just eight, you're seven you're in grade school, you're seven, and you're like, why are you laughing? And they're like, I can't believe you wore that. You're such a baby. And everybody's just mocking and laughing, and now they give you a nickname. And because you have so much need in your life, and you have no clue who you are, and you're so vulnerable and so tender, all of a sudden you actually start believing you're a misfit. You start believing you don't fit in. Your esteem crashes. Your identity is bankrupt. And all of a sudden, you have options. You either become broken, hurt, and introverted, or you get hard and become a fighter. But it's just survival of yourself. Yeah. And none of your responses have anything to do with the truth about who you really are. Yeah. I ask the Lord, why do people hold on to their stories so tight? Why does the church just live in the past? Well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't like was when I was growing up. You don't know what it was... And it's like our story. Like, we feel like we gotta write a book about our story. <clears throat> if there's no redemption at the end of your book, save the ink. Stop. No, I'm not being mean. We all have a story. It's not about the hell we've been through. If we went through our stories in this room tonight and everybody told the worst of the worst, all we'd do is locate who's been through the most hell in the room. And then what? Sing, it's all about heaven? No, listen to me carefully. When you locate who's been through the most hell, now you don't even have the faith to touch them because you can't relate to them because you ain't been in their shoes, and they won't even let you touch them because you ain't been through the hell they've been through. So they're trapped in their story, even though redemption says there's something totally different than the people who never understood their value. I asked the Lord, I said, why do people cling to their story? He said, it's the only place they've ever found a sense of identity, whether good or bad. That's what the Lord told me. I was crying on my bed because I've pastored for a long time. And I've had people in their 50s say, well, yeah, brother, what you're saying is awesome, but you don't know my story. What do you mean? Well, you don't know what I've been through and what it's been like growing up. How old are you? 52. 52. And you're going to stand here and tell me what it was like growing up? What does that have to do with the Christ that's in you right now? Why are you letting that suppress the truth that's been here the whole time? We're not here to compare our stories. You say, well, I was touched wrong. I know a lot of people were touched wrong. What does that have anything to do with who I am in Christ Jesus? It just means that somebody that touched me wrong had no idea who they were, so they couldn't possibly see who I was. They were driven by flesh, need, perversion. You say, well, then why did God let it happen? God doesn't let things happen. God put his son on the cross and sent a truth to make us free. God ain't sitting there just wonton going. We get this picture of God. And I'm not busting on you all in the south. But the further south I go, the more perverted the sovereignty message is. I don't believe here. But the more south I go, well, he allowed it. It's the most dangerous, damaging message in the body of Christ. Come on. He allowed it. Okay, so you're teaching people he allowed it. But he's good, but he allowed it. Well, he did. He allowed it. He's all sovereign and all control. Well, I think he told us to study, show ourselves approved. I think he told us not to fear. I think he told us to walk in love and forgive, to give us the name and authority of the name of Jesus. I think he said we reap what we sow, that in our tongue is the power of death and life. I think the law of Saul is sowing and reaping. It sounds like he gave the earth to the children of men. I think I read that. And it's just too easy for things to unfold and then say, God allowed. I'm not saying it's fun when somebody's molesting you and they're coming night after night and, you feel like you're getting no freedom and you're crying out to God and you're only seven. And you're saying, don't let him touch me again, God. And then they touch you again. I know that gets blurry and confused. At some point, God wants to reveal that, listen, I paid away for your escape. Men are deceived and perverted and the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. It's all part of your journey. It's all part of your story. The enemy's plan is to get you so hard, so hurt, so deceived that when you hear the good news, there ain't nothing good about it because you don't know what I've been through. But God's plan with the gospel is take a look at what he's been through so you can find a new identity and get a new story and get new life through Jesus Christ where you can put off the old and put on the new and actually understand if those people in my past knew who they were, they'd have never done what they did. If they were filled with the Holy Ghost and in love with God, they wouldn't have said what they said. They wouldn't have did what they did and they'd have seen who I was. So why would I let their deception leaven me and cause me to live the rest of my life a Product of what they did when he did something greater. Come on. Now I'm laying that thing out. I'm explaining it for you. Because how easy is it just to stay in hurt but boy it pays a heavy price. You just stay in your story. There ain't no life there. It's just miserable. The last thing you need is permission to stare where you've been if where you've been ain't producing Christ. The last thing you need is to feel sorry for yourself. It's the loneliest party you've ever been in. How can we deny ourselves and feel sorry for ourselves? I'm not being insensitive. I'm asking you a question. How can I deny myself and have so many rights? Well, they should have never. That made me mad. Well, that hurt. So die. Because if God said that about you when you weren't walking it out, Will that hurt. Well, you should have never. Well, I trusted you. Well, you said one thing and did another. I don't know, but we're just done.
2: Come on.
0: Yeah. Did anybody ever come to God sincerely to repent? And God just showed up and said, "Oh, it's you." <laughs> well, I've been I've been thinking about you, and we got some issues. We got to talk, man. Six months ago, I called you. I gave you a great chance to repent. I don't know why you didn't come then. In fact, now you waited. You caused a lot of hell in between. You should have come six months ago. I'm just bothered. I'm not even sure where we stand right now. In fact, I'll tell you what, I'll have a meeting with the 24 elders. I'll get a hold of you when we come to a conclusion. But I'm not just all that moved by your tears right now, and I'm just not all excited because actually I have a few issues with you. See, when I put that in the mouth of God, it sounds ridiculous. But when it's in our mouth, it sounds justified.
1: Come on.
0: That shouldn't be true when we're made for his image, when the things he did will do if we believe that he's the firstborn among many brethren, that we're predestined to be conformed to his image. And the Christ in you is the hope of glory. If I can't see it in his life, why would I want it in mine? If he ain't saying it, why am I? If it don't fit in his mouth, why is it okay in mine? Why do I want to lay a hold of something that he doesn't live in? Well, you don't know what I've been through. Wonder if Jesus said, you don't know what I've been through. I've done nothing but good. I'm healing folks. I'm multiplying their food. And all them greedy people want is more food. They could care less about what I'm saying. And let me tell you about this. Barabbas, they killed me to let Barabbas free. And Barabbas is a murderer and I raised the dead. And they want to kill me and let a murderer go. These people are nuts and I'm wondering why I even died for them. See, here's where we've been lulled to sleep. We just expect him to be what we've preached him. But we don't understand He made us to follow Him. And He's saying, when you see me, you see the Father. And when you see me, you see the life you were created for. Now, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself. you got to pick up your cross. We've turned it into a prayer that takes me to heaven if I die on the way home. And still argue with our wife. We're still mad at our boss. We still want a new job because I'm tired of working with a bunch of jerks. We all right? I'm not correcting you. I'm cheering you on. I didn't fly down here to spank you. I came down here to tell you who you are. Don't you let things matter more than what matters most. Don't you take some petty thing in a young man into your heart and let it harden you and anger you. And don't you assess it in a way because you have need and you're vulnerable. No, you're not, son. God made you for his image. God made you for his image. For you to wake up every day and believe he loves you and lives inside of you so he can manifest himself through you. Don't you get hurt by petty things. Don't you let anger come into your life. You push it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. We were all born into Adam. We must be born again. Any man born again, he's a new creature. A new species of being that never existed. So he brings us back to the purpose of Adam, but we're a little different than Adam. Adam wasn't in Christ. We're in Christ. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that'll get, no, this message, get the horn blowing, buddy. (laughs) No, God will back up your message. That never happens when you preach. (laughs) I was in Alabama last week. Every time I get fired up and start preaching this train, I, I never heard so many trains go by a church in my whole life. And I was having so much fun with it. I said, Lord, this is fun. I'm preaching in Alabama, and I'd say something, and everybody's like, yeah, and they're clapping, and sometimes they were looking like you were all a while ago, just looking at me like, and the train would be like, boop, 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 boop. I said, affirmation right there, buddy, and then i get on another point, boop, boop, it was over and over. I said, I love preaching in this church. God's sending the train every time I'm preaching. You see why we're laughing and why we're having fun? What I'm saying is serious and sober, and it costs Jesus' his life, but he doesn't want you heavy. He doesn't want you walking out of here saying, Boy, I got a long way to go. He wants you walking out of here saying, Man, I got light on the trail. I got direction. I got vision. I got purpose. He doesn't want you heavy. He doesn't want you questioning if you're saved.
2: That's right. That's
0: right. I didn't come here to overwhelm you and make you heavy and feel condemned came to share good news. That God thinks a whole lot more of us than what maybe we've even pursued. And that nobody pays a high price for nothing. And if we're the person's possession of the price he paid, he must see something way more than some of us have dared consider. And we're going to hold on to a petty past identity. Do you know every addictive behavior is attached to a low esteem and a crushed identity. And people don't see the value of who they are And they live in a cycle. So they live up to the low level in which they see themselves. A man bound in pornography, we think he needs delivered by some spirit. No, he needs to see who he is. There ain't no man bound to pornography that knows who he is. He doesn't know who he is. He's feeding something that's false. And if he ever gets to know who he is and sees his value, he'll see the real truth about what he's been feeding in. And then he'll actually see the people different and have compassion instead of lust. Why? Because he won't want to feed himself in that temporal lie. He'll want to live by the Spirit. Why? Because he believes his life is better than that. And then he'll realize the people he's being entertained by are better than that. See, I realized a long time ago, he loves me. And he gave me the best look at you I've ever had. That's why I flew down here. I get my own plane tickets. I don't ask for any honorariums or offerings. I just fly into town to preach the gospel. Why? Because I believe it. Amen. Nobody ever bought my plane ticket. People empower me to go. I'm empowered to be here. This isn't, I'm not earning a living today. I'm not putting bread on our table. I'm telling you all the truth. And I'm trusting that when I leave here, It lands on everything this man and leaders have been crying out. Now the mouths of two or more. Every word is confirmed and established. And you are convicted to live what he paid for. And that you won't settle for anything less. You won't have a sell-eye price. You won't sell cheap because you've been bought with a price and you're not your own. And if what you're thinking ain't producing Christ, change what you're thinking. If what you're saying ain't producing Christ, then live in the conviction of that and say there has to be a higher way to think don't you leave here and get caught in animosity? Don't you get in some petty argument with your spouse? Don't you live in tension? Don't you let the sun go down on your wrath? Come on. Self-centeredness is the only thing that keeps those things alive. The only reason people have this is because they're self-centered and they won't admit it. I'm not judging you. And I'm not comparing me to you, but you could ask my wife. There ain't no way we're having this because I won't ever have it. I'm not saying she would but I know I won't, and it takes two to do this. I'm going to cover everything with love. Well, you're a doormat. Jesus wasn't a doormat. Well, you're passive. No, following Jesus. I don't need a right to be something less than he is. But let's not get lulled to sleep and just expect him to be a certain thing. We say, well, that was Jesus. No, that was love. Come on, we get religious with this thing. Well, yeah, but that was Jesus. When I put them little analogy... Whoever whoever saw the chapter in your Bible where Jesus woke up one morning and he wasn't feeling it and he was a little grayed out and he was just sitting on the Mount of Olives and he didn't want to face the people because the people were backbiting and bickering. So he was like... And Peter said... Lord, what's wrong? Don't What's wrong with me, Peter? And don't even try to preach to me, man. You don't even know what I'm going through in the shoes that I'm in. You don't know how it feels every day to preach, preach, preach. And people just backbite and bicker. Find out what devil's in you. Well, that ain't right. Well, that ain't what I grew up with. And God lets me hear their thoughts. You ever seen that chapter where he's just grayed out and he doesn't even want to face the people because he's disheartened. So he tells them to just go ahead and he's going to hang back. He don't want to deal with it. Oh, you ain't never seen that chapter. You ain't never going to see that chapter. Not because he's Jesus. Because he's love. Love don't seek its own. Love takes no account of the wrong done to it. Well, if that's true, then why are we so busted up by each other? I bet if we don't have love, we got nothing. We can go to church. We can have a title. We can go on a mission trip, and we can feed the hungry. You can give your body to be burned, and you can give all your goods to the poor. But if you don't have love... You've missed the whole point, got nothing. Well, why would you give your body to be burned and your goods to the poor if you don't have love? You might want affirmation. You might want somebody to praise you. You might want to feel good about yourself and you think to do it makes you feel better. Now you're qualified. You might want to put a statue up so they remember you for a hundred years. I don't know. But I know if you don't have love, you have nothing. You can give all your goods to the poor. Now the poor have your goods, but you got nothing. Am I preaching scripture? <laughs> wow. I get excited every time I see young people in services and they looking. I wish I could hear this stuff and have even a chance to believe it when I was their age. Ain't nobody ever told me this stuff. I heard it in my bedroom. I saw it when I read my Bible. Ain't nobody told me this. If I'd have preached this when I was growing up, they'd have called me the devil for short in the flesh. They'd have threw me out of church and never let me back in. Because religion is wretched. Christianity transforms. You know what Christian means? Little Christ like one. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? Because they looked like him. And they were like, These people remind us of that man they crucified. They're Christian. Christians. You know them by their fruits, not their church attendance. You know them by their fruits, not their church language. You know them by their fruits. And if you make a tree good, guess what? The fruits good. So, what's important that you put on the identity you paid for? that tonight you believe you're loved by God in such an extreme way that he would put his son on the cross to forgive you of everything you've ever done. And get that old wretched thing called self and mistakes and past and all that stuff off your life and take all them rags and all that filthy stuff you were wearing, that stuff that don't match, it clashes, it don't fit, and you never look good wearing it. So get it off. Get it off and put on Christ. And be righteous white in the sight of God. I'm telling you, it's important that everybody in this room understands that you have value in Christ. You have value in yourself. You don't have value in your story usually, but you have value in Christ. He makes all things new. So I put off the old and I put on the new. It's an understanding. It's a faith. And never again do you become Lot's wife and look back. You become his bride and look up. Because Lot's wife got stuck between where she got delivered and where she was supposed to be going, and she never made it. She's stuck looking back. Don't you get stuck looking back. Well, brother, well, brother, nothing. Stop. Don't do that to yourself. Don't be your own worst enemy and not believe the gospel when it's here. Come on, there's nothing I preach tonight that you can't live if you wrap faith around it. There's nothing I preach that's contingent on another person. It's contingent on what you believe about what I said. You can't say, well, you don't understand my spouse and it's so hard. Stop, stop, stop. You're not selling me that. I ain't buying in. I lived married like I was single for eight years. My wife lived in a hole of deception. I didn't have emotional connection. I didn't have physical connection. But I'm married and I love her. So you're way too late to talk to me about this stuff. When I'm in the heat of that, people call calling me as a pastor to minister to their marriages. I'm giving them answers and say, well, I couldn't expect you to understand you're not in my shoes. Because uh-uh. they didn't want the truth. They didn't want answers. They wanted me to side with them. They wanted me to power play their spouse and tell them to shape up. They didn't want answers. They wanted something that benefited them, not transformed them. You're going to call a man who's living in this challenge and situation that we call it a challenge right now and you're going to ask him for advice in your marriage when the man you're calling knows you're going through a fraction of what he's in the middle of and you can't accept his answer and you think he don't understand because it ain't what you want to hear. Do you hear the lie and the self-centeredness in that? Eight years. You say that's a long time. Time should never have the power to change truth. Truth is what makes you free. If God put a time limit on how long he waited for you, you might not be saved. I'm just talking plain. So if I can't find it in him, why is it okay in me? If he made me for his image, why am I pursuing to look more like him? Why am I holding on to justifications that have nothing to do with what he is and who he is? Are you all with me? It says, if he loved us this way, ought we not love one another? For he who loves his brother has no cause to stumble because of him. Look, if people knew who they were and what they were doing, they wouldn't do what they're doing. True? So why don't we care about that and hurt for them instead of hurt because of them? Why don't we cry for us? Why don't we cry for them? Why don't we realize they're in trouble? There's something they don't see. If Jesus shows up, there's trouble. They ain't ready. They ain't living the life. They ain't no oil in their lamp. Why are we offended that there ain't no oil in their lamp? Why don't we care? Oh, this is going to get intense. But because all we care about is there ain't no oil in our lamp, then that affects us. Now there ain't even oil in our lamp. We become self-righteous, judgmental, and religious. Oops. That's true. Wow. When you look down on somebody, you're self-righteous. When you talk down, when you talk to about somebody like they're less than you you're stuck in a of pride. There's no hot shot and there's no low life on the planet. Just everybody is in need of the blood of Jesus. You go into Walmart, not just that shampoo. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Who knows there's a lot of products in Walmart? Who knows there's price checks, price codes. Who knows that you can't take the the tag off the shampoo, girl, and go back and put it on big screen TV and get away with that? (laughs) Who knows that the TV has a different value than the bottle of shampoo? That's why there's price tags. That's why there's pages and pages of barcodes. But in the store of humanity, there's one tag on every head. The blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because everybody has the same purchase price. Because everybody has the same value. How can we all have the same value? We can all wake up and live for the light. We can all walk in love and we can all walk in the light. He paid for the redemption of why we're here. We all cost the same because we all value the same. There ain't one low life in the kingdom of God. There's no curb. There's no gutter. There's no high place. There's just people in need of a savior. But we didn't grow up that way. Clicks, people demeaned, people broken, needing someone to love them. And the more they try to find love, the more they get shattered. And then the more they believe they're unlovable. And some of them even take what's not even theirs their own life. It's the gravest deception. If you'd be honest in here, you'd be amazed how many hands, if you'd be honest, I'm not talking about today, but how many people live their life with a thought crossed through their mind that suicide was actually an option in a season in your life, that it actually crossed through your mind that suicide was not. Let me see your hands if that's true. Look at this. That is not an accident. Why? Because the devil's trying to deceive you, get you to take things so personal that you get tricked into taking what's not even yours. You say, well, it's my life. It was never your life. It was always created to be his life in you. You were never created to see yourself or think yourself separate from him. So the devil wants you, well, it's my body. If I want to get an abortion, it's my body. I'll do with my life what I want. It was never your life from the beginning. That's why it's so miserable to live outside of truth. That's why people want to die.
1: Come on.
0: And a lot of people just get hurt and broken. Super young teenage people, they feel like they don't fit. There's a whole lot of crazy bizarre reasons you find that people feel like they want to kill themselves. Why? Because Satan's trying to trick them into taking something that's not theirs. It's not your life. Self-centeredness is the biggest wretch on the planet, I'm convinced. Selfishness is destroying a lot of it's in the church. It needs to get out. If it's in your life, get a grip on it and begin to work on it. Let me give you some answers here. What time are we? Where are we at? No. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell me that.
2: Because
0: if I believe you, we could. <laughs> Maybe we'll run out of gospel. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. well I know one thing I'm going to have one up on Paul I wouldn't let you fall out the window and go to sleep if I see you starting to sleep tonight I will believe God for your name <laughs> and I'll say Johnny Johnny I know you're praying <laughs> hey Renee hey you praying right Okay, amen. I will believe God for your name. I'm calling you out. If I see them eyes going close, I'm calling you out. Can we do something intense? Can we put some light on this thing? Let's go to James chapter 3. It's a scripture. When I used to do weddings, it's a scripture that I used in weddings all the time. Because wedding is a beautiful thing, man. It's not a Ken and Barbie five on five. Don't we look great? What a picture. It's a union of two becoming one. It's all that is mine is yours and all that is yours is mine. There's vows. There's covenant vows of exchange, giving your life. It's not praise. It's not you're so beautiful when I look at you. No, it's not eloquence of speech. It's I give my life to you. To love you, to bring out the best in you, to empower you, to be everything God's created you to be. And they say, Okay. And then they exchange their vows, their life with you. And you join yourself together and become one. It's a holy and beautiful thing. I would share this in weddings all the time. I did really good weddings, man. People still ask me to marry them to this day. I say, no, but it's a shame I won't because I do the best wedding in the whole world. I mess with them bad. I say, it would be incredible. God would show up. Holy Spirit will tie you and everything. But I ain't doing it reason is it's accountable. It's not just because two people say they're in love. You want them to understand what love is. It takes me about six sessions of an hour plus each just to even have the confidence and the accountability to stand there and say, I believe they're ready and I believe it's God. I meet with every living parent, in-laws, step-parents... Anybody that's considered a parent that's in the mix that's alive, I have a whole meeting just with them so in-laws never become outlaws so they truly let go and recognize this is the highest relationship of their now life and that they do everything in their power to see it's blessed and manifested in what they promised and vowed. I have a whole meeting with the wedding party and tell them they're not just there to look pretty but look as pretty as you can and do a great picture but that is not why you're here. You're here to bear witness of two coming together and vowing their life together, and you're doing everything in your power and your faith to see that their vows come to pass. So a maid of honor, doesn't three months later, how's things going? Well, you know, I never realized you. See, I told you I was trying to tell you. That's, that's, that's a maid of bummer. <laughs> it's not a maid of honor. That's like a maid of bummer. That's the only word that came to me, made of bummer. <laughs> it's not good. No, here's a maid of honor. Well, listen, we talked about that. You didn't want to hear it and stuff, but the, the bottom line is you governed your life. You gave your life. I heard your vows. You said this. You said this. So what does that even have to do with anything you said? Why would that change your heart towards him and your love for him? Why don't you overcome it with good? And why don't you overcome it with love? And why don't you let the love of God... Reap a repentance in your husband's heart and teach him the beauty of who he's created to be by loving him in the midst of whatever. Amen. That's a maid of honor. A best man, not a bummer man, a best man. He's going to say, listen, man, I don't even want to hear that. Don't you talk about her like that. She's your wife. Well, yeah, but I just never saw, and I didn't realize how much Stop. It don't matter if what you're telling me is totally true. When does she need love? You gave your life to her to bring out the best in her, to to give her everything that Christ gives you to wash her with the water of your words not bad her to me that's the best man and if I'm your friend I'm talking to you like that I'll knock you out if I have to and repent later no I'm just kidding no I'm going to talk to you like that I'm just that was a joke I ain't knocking nobody out I couldn't I'm too nice now baptism I can hold you under you can't get up No, Samson anointing. Come on, I don't care what you look like. You can look like that right there. You ain't coming up. One finger on your forehead. You're done. Holy Ghost, come on me. Trying to get up. Every bubble stops. (laughs) Jerk. Convulsion. Jerk. Why? Because he's going to die. You're going to make sure that they understand when they're getting baptized, they're dying. They're dying in the likeness of his death, the Lord Jesus. They're dying so they can truly live. And you never live until you die. You're not praying a prayer to go to heaven, you're dying. So I'm going to hold you I'm a good pastor. 40 seconds after the last convulsion. 40 seconds, you got them. 40 seconds, it always works. 40 seconds, last convulsion, it's it, it's over. You grab them by faith, you bring them up. <gasps> New life through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Spirit of God comes in them. Now watch. If you you can't, it's a win-win. If you pull them up and there ain't no, we know where they went. Bam. I'm a good pastor. Okay. No, the whole point is you're dying. It's not an ordinance. It's not another step along the way. It's not. Oh well, I need to get baptized because Jesus said. No, no, no. It's a sign of death, burial, and resurrection. And you die in the likeness of his death. And even as he was raised by the glory of the Father, so shall you be raised in the newness of
2: life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, you reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. You know what we say in the church? Well, yeah, but brother, that ain't right because we always sin and we're not perfect. And what are you saying? How can you reckon yourself to dead to sin when you sin every day? You're probably sinning while you're breathing. Don't even know it. <laughs> Anybody ever hear people talking like that in a church all the time? How can you reckon yourself dead to sin and in a false humility boast in your ability to commit it? Nobody's ever answered that question because the people that say it are wrong. I'm not being arrogant. They're wrong. They're misguided. They're misunderstanding. They don't understand the power of righteousness. So they think when we're talking like this, we're talking perfection. No, we're talking righteousness. We're talking made pure. I'm free from sin. I'm not fighting a battle. He won. Come on, amen. Come on. Come on. on. (laughs) I reckon myself dead indeed. So I'm not waking up trying not to sin. I'm waking up enjoying being a son, enjoying being forgiven, enjoying being washed and clean and made pure and holy and accepted in his sight. I'm not trying to live acceptable. I'm being accepted. Understanding my accepted will empower me to live acceptable. Come on.
1: That's it.
0: Knowing I'm a son will cause my life to look like sonship. Yeah. Hallelujah. As a man thinketh,
1: so he is.
0: God's so wise. So he says, I need to get this identity of failure and this false thing off them. I need to get this sin a million miles away. So I got to get them to reckon themselves dead indeed under sin. That means it's stain, it's sting, it's regret, it's identity, it's desire. Can I quote another one for you? First Peter 2, he bore your sin and my sin in his body on a tree that we having died to sin. Well, brother, nobody's dying to sin. We're all sinning. What are you saying? You're perfect. Everybody sins. You got sin right now. What are you trying to preach? That's heresy. No, that's First Peter 2. <laughs> Can I share another one with you?
2: Yes.
0: It says, if the sacrifices in Hebrews 10 were sufficient and the splitting of little turtle doves and the cutting the throats of the little billy goats and all the stuff they were killing, oh, it was a bad day. Could you imagine if you lived under that covenant? You'd see how much you love your little kitty. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to sacrifice the animal, you'd have to sacrifice your little pets. You wouldn't have many pets. you have your little kitty, oh, little kitty. Then you get on your computer, a little pop-up. Click. Now you be down in the basement, kitty. Go. All you got left is one little hamster. He's so, he's so full of anxiety he can't even run on the wheel. He's just in the corner. He says, he sees you getting in your computer and he's just, his eyes switching, he's just staying. And all of a sudden he goes, Oh no. Here he comes, little hammy. There goes little hammy down the step It wouldn't be good. It says, if those sacrifices that were given back in that day were sufficient, then the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. And in the church, in uninformed, misguided teaching, we say, Yeah, but brother, we always sin. Nobody's perfect. What are you saying? You don't sin? No more consciousness of sin. It's a goal of the cross. reckon yourself dead indeed to sin and alive unto God. If I woke up every day alive unto God, the fruit of righteousness in my life produces holiness. Now I'm actually living in something I could never live on my own. I'm not even biting my lip to be holy. It's a fruit of what I believe. And now he gets all the glory, and there's no super Christians, just believers. There is no super Christian. We're going to be guilty of one thing, believing Him. Or guilty of one thing, not believing Him. And the way you live your life reveals what you believe. How's that for straight talk? Can I share this thing that I share in weddings and then I'll try to close and we'll... Whew. You guys, some of, some of you are serious, but some of you might be scared if they hear some of you say like, Preach all night. No, you already preach a long time, dude. Okay, let me close with this. I'm so sorry. If you get done before me, just slip out quietly. Then if I flag you at the door. I did it to a lady in a conference, 1,500 people. She was, she was going to the door and I said, excuse me, ma'am. Like nobody's moving. 1,500 people, everybody's just sitting there and she's walking to the door. I said, excuse me, ma'am. Is it my preaching? She's at the door. 1,500 heads turn and look at her. I don't even know what I was doing to the poor thing. She goes, and I said, are you a Christian? Are you born again? She said, yes. I said, well, then you can't lie. I read in Revelation 19, if you lie, you fry. Are you leaving because of my preaching? Oh, I said, okay, good. God bless you. You know what happened? I think I preached for two more straight hours. It's conference 15. I just went bananas, preached for two hours. Nobody moved. Nobody moved. I said, the wisdom of the Lord. Everybody towards the end, they're, they're rocking, they're bouncing. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, the anointing of God that's on this message, they just tremoring in their chair. No, they had to go to the bathroom. All of a sudden it hit me. I said, I just was wrong with it. I said, We've been preaching a long time. Nobody's moved. I said, how many of you guys have to pee? It was like
2: 90%.
0: I said, I'm wrapped up. Go to the bathroom. Cattle just running. They just froze. They didn't want me to call them at the door. I said, God, you're so wise. Oh, you have so much fun. Verse 13, speaking of wise, speaking of wise, verse 13 of James 3. Okay, who is wise? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by the good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. In other words, let his life reveal his wisdom. Are you hearing what it's saying? Now watch. This gets intense. Are you all ready? He prayed about our ears and our eyes. He prayed for us to receive. You all ready? All I'm doing is reading scripture. But if you have bitter envy... And self-seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against the truth. In other words, don't appear to be something you're not living. Deal with it. Put it aside. Get alone in prayer. Put it off. Expose it when it rises up. Even if you act in selfishness and catch yourself, don't think you're failing and don't ignore it. Get alone with God. Father, you didn't create me for this. Man, the reason I feel this way, I took that personal as if they owed me something. And now I'm looking down on them and it's almost a self-righteous trap in my life. And God, you never created me for that. You created me to cover them with love and compassion. How can I even pray for them legitimately if I'm mad at them? You know, my wife prayed for me to change for 13 years. This is sober. 13 years she prayed for me to change. And I probably got worse. At the end of 13 years, she said, I'm done with him, and I'm done with you, God. I prayed to you for 13 years, and you never changed him. You've allowed me and these children to suffer through hell, and you've done nothing. I'm done with you, too. Now, see, pain understands her language. When God redeemed her and set her free six months later, guess we said to her, He said it's true you prayed to me for 13 years but you don't understand how you bowed my hands and kept me from ever answering your prayer because you never prayed because of love. You only prayed because of pain. You were reduced to another hurting wife that prays and you knew if I changed him your day would go better. It had nothing to do with compassion for your husband. And I'm not changing him and leaving you there because I love you. And she was done. (laughs) How's that for sober? So, we think God's gonna, we got this special in with God, and God's gonna change them for me. No, God's gonna change them because He loves them. And He wants you to love them, who they're called and created to be. Are you with me? Amen.
2: Yes.
0: But if you have bitter envy and self seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against the truth. Uh oh. This wisdom, what wisdom? Self centeredness. It doesn't descend to come from above. It's earthly, it's sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking are existing, confusion and every evil thing is present. Self-centeredness is a landing strip for the demonic and for chaos. Why? Because it's where it lives from. Self-centeredness is the opposite of love. There's not an ounce of selfishness in love, and there's not an ounce of love in selfishness. Are you all with me? Yes. So where self-centeredness exists, every evil thing is present. Watch the paradox. you get in your bedroom to pray, and you're just offended. you begin going to pray, and you're just angry. you begin going to pray, and you're just hurt and broken, and you're devastated. Watch. And you start praying from that place, and it's a self-centered thing. And you're binding the devil and you're rebuking the devil, and you're crying, and you're praying for God to knock them off their high horse, and you're doing whatever you're doing. The whole time you're praying and rebuking the devil, your motive, your life and where you're coming from is an absolute invite and landing strip for everything he represents. Somebody ought to just preach it. No, it's strangely quiet in here. Come on. No, I feel it. It's strangely quiet. Like it's a strange feeling in the room right now. I'm just reading scripture. Yes. Self-centeredness is a wretch. Yes. You can think you're so, so spiritual and so close to God. And you go in your bedroom and you're praying because you're hurt. You're not praying because you're hurting for someone. You're praying because you're hurt by someone. And you're a landing strip for confusion. And every evil thing is present. Right in the midst of your prayer meeting. That isn't a prayer meeting at all. It's actually a twisted motive with words. Are you all okay? Because when I said it, it felt like half the room struggled with it. So I just reaffirmed it and qualified it, and it feels like some people jumped on board. Are you all with me? Now, when you go to church and they come up and start playing, it means you preached enough. (laughs) I'm messing with you April I'm messing with you girl how can you not love
2: her like look at her
0: I'm having fun with you I did have fun with that one Colossians chapter 3, if you want to go there while she's playing, I want to read something to you. (coughs) Are you all all alright? Verse 1, Colossians 3, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is sitting, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not the things of the earth. Why? Because you died. See, you didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. You died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you're going to appear with Him in glory. Therefore, because this is true, therefore always means in light of what I've just said. Don't just preach it a therefore. You've got to know what it's there for. That's not a joke. Therefore means in light of what I just said. Therefore, because this is true, put to death. It doesn't say balance, find a healthy balance, mediate, moderate. He says you kill life as you know it. Your members which are on the earth, you put them to death. It doesn't say find a place of self-control. It says kill it as you know it. The first thing on the list is always sexuality. Why? Because there's nothing more perverted on the earth than man's approach to sexuality. Because it's driven by emotion, it's driven by need, and it's driven by self-centeredness 99.99% of the time. He says, put to death your members which are on their fornication, fornication, any sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage. Put it to death. Why would you be engaged in any sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage? Because you have need in your life to fulfill a desire and emotion to fill a blank that only Jesus can fulfill. Be real with me. Boy, I wish we'd get this in our marriages. I wish we'd get this in our lives. Put to death your members that are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. It's all covetousness. It's all idolatry. It's making something matter more than what matters most. Put it to death. It said because of these things, the wrath of God is coming to the sons of disobedience. That means those who continue to live this way and disobey and won't repent watch here's where you stay humble here's where I stay humble here's where we never get religious and self-righteous in which you yourself once walked when you lived that way in other words you were in that place and you got delivered don't judge them for being there love them out of it yeah but now you yourself see it's not an order call it's not a deliverance meeting you yourselves are to put off these things so you put it off in faith, you put it off in prayer, just like you put off clothes and put on new clothes. You take a change of dirty clothes off, you put a change of new clothes on. I'll get a shower in between. That'll keep the clothes cleaner. But you know what I'm saying? Do you ever just put on a fresh shirt because you're on the run? And you know you wore your shirt a long time. You put on fresh shirt. I do it all the time because I preach all the time. I do conference all day stuff. Sometimes you do 10, 2, and 7. I run and switch out my shirt. I don't get a chance to get a shower, but I switch out my shirt. I just put on a clean shirt. The gospel's like taking off the thing that's dirty and putting on the things that clean. You put off these things, anger, wrath. How do you put off anger, wrath, and malice, fornication, evil passion without getting caught up in a lisk and running a risk of failing? You put it off because you understand you were never created for those things and they all work through the wellspring of self-centeredness. And you get alone in prayer and you actually acknowledge God, I was never made to live at the expense of another person. God, nobody owes me a thing. Father, I'm getting this. I see this. You created me for your glory. You created me to love. Father, nobody owes me a thing. Stress and strife and frustration, they were all byproducts of a self centered motive in my life. I deny myself. Now you're on your knees, you're in prayer. Nobody's looking. It's just you in the secret place. And he who is in the secret, will see you there. And guess where he'll reward you? In the open. What are you seeking in the secret place? Him. What you reward in the open? Him. And you're putting off and you're putting on. You're putting off and you're putting on. What are you taking off? the thing you were never made to wear, the thing you never look good in and never will look good in. What are you putting on? The thing that was made for you from the beginning with his own hands. Just like the skins he put on Adam and Eve. He took off the fig leaves and he dressed them himself with animal skins made with his own hands. What's he pointing to? The robes of salvation we will wear that were made through the cross. Why did he take off the fig leaves? Why did he put animal skins on Adam and Eve? Because if they woke up every day and saw them fig leaves, what are they mindful of? The day they sinned and threw it all away. Don't you think it doesn't lead to arguments? Don't you think there's not tension in the home? Don't you think there's not, well, you should know. Well, why'd you follow my voice? Well, you should have known. You had the heart of, you had the word of God. Well, you're the one that got deceived. Well, you're the one. Don't think there's stuff like that that don't happen in homes. Blame shifting and arguing. Come on, he couldn't even answer God straight. You think he's loving Eve now? No, it's like the old, it's like the old phrase, you know, Adam and Eve and... Cain and Abel, they're walking up over the hills and they're carrying their belongings. Abel looks down and says, Dad, look at that place. Lush, green, full of life. We ought to move in down there. Let's go down there and live. He said, Oh, we used to live there some, but Mom ate us out of house and home. That's just a bad joke. (laughs) It wasn't Eve's fault. Adam heated her voice. And man fell from God you put off and you put on watch this now you yourself you yourself you don't need prayer don't be a prayer driven people in the sense of always need a ministry prayer for one another prayer that the gospel's clear prayer for all men pray for those in authority prayers important but we've become a prayer crazed people where we think we need prayer for every bruise bump thought mindset that's not healthy no you need truth It's not ministry that makes you free. It's truth that makes you free. And a lot of things we're asking prayer for aren't even prayer issues. They're truth issues. Don't say, pray for me. I got anger issues. No, you yourself put it off by recognizing anger comes from self-centeredness. People don't owe you anything. Why don't you back off? Why don't you release men? Why don't you let them go from their debt? Who's ever learned you can't make up for what you've done? You can't pay nobody back if you did it. A spouse cheats on a spouse. They get broken. They repent. I've seen it. But the spouse can't let it go. And a year later, they're fighting. And they say, well, you're the one that... Just remember what you did. You're the one that left. I'm not the one that left. But they said they forgive them. And they say they want to... But they just keep bringing it up. Come on. There's a thing called forgiveness. There's a thing called mercy. It triumphs over what we deserve called judgment. You yourself are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Get it out of your mouth. Come on, don't lie to one another. Why? Because you've put off the old man and his deeds. And you've put on the new... way. man, I just prayed a prayer to go to heaven. The preacher said if I died, I don't know where I'm going. I will raise my hand. No, no, no. You're putting on the new man. And he's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Who's the new man? He's renewed in knowledge according to the image. Of the one who created him you see how scriptural this is so what are you doing you're getting alone with God you're putting on self-centeredness and you're putting on love you're putting on love verse 12 therefore is the elect of God holy and beloved put on Uh oh put on the new man verse 10 put on verse 12 put on do you think he's talking about the same thing now so what's he doing He described the members of the flesh and broke it down in adjectives. Now he's going to break down the image of God in adjectives. And he's saying, the thing I just told you to put on the image, let me break it down and show you what it looks like. It's tender mercies. It's kindness. It's humility and meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave, you forgive. But above all these things, put on love. It is the bond of perfection. That scripture. It's in my Bible and yours. It's for those that believe. I've sat in rooms this size. Not a ton, a ton of people, but you'd be amazed in a room this size. How many folks don't really, when it comes down to it, want to become for some strange reason, they want to hold on to the thing they inherited through Adam. That right to be something less or outside of Christ. And it's a sad thing, but I've seen it a lot. That people hear the truth and they'll hold on to what they were never created to be. And some preachers get it backwards. They're like, this thing will cost you everything. It's a high price. It'll cost you everything. And people are like, All it costs you is giving up what you were never created to be. You're giving the lie in exchange for the truth. I've never seen anyone living in self-centeredness shine and be blessed. I've never seen anybody offended shine. I've never seen anybody discouraged shine. Let your light so shine before men. Why? So they see your life and glorify Him. I've never seen anybody angry shine, discouraged shine. I've never seen a self-centered person shine the light of Christ. In a room this size, there's always a handful of folks that when it comes right down to it, don't want to become love. They want to hold on to the right they received by default and through Adam, instead of give it up and let Christ become their life. Would you decide in your heart tonight? Would you just let go every justification? Would you get on this team and run this race with us? Worthy of a prize. And not grow weary. And well-doing. And don't faint. And don't look back. Would you get in the race with us? And would you run? You have need of endurance. So that after the will of God is done, you can receive he told you you have endurance, need of endurance, many places. Why? Because he never said it's an easy run. It'll try you. It'll test you. There's a demon war against Jesus. If you take the adversity personal, of course, you'll make a mistake. But if you love not your own life unto death, it's how you overcome. If you're a Christian for your sake, you'll make a big mistake. If you're a Christian for his namesake, you'll find grace to live through every moment. Are you with me? See, only you know if you're willing to pursue this. I'm not a big order call guy. I'm not even to, sometimes there's an emotion in order call. I'm not against it. I think sometimes it's very powerful. If the Lord tells me to do it, I do it. But I tell you, I believe that your order is your heart before God and your conviction and what you do with it. And that's where you lay the sacrifice, called yourself. Are you with me? So you decide that tonight. If you're married, you got to say, hey, am I going to add fuel to a fire that I wish would go out? Or am I going to begin to love and forgive and show mercy and be like Christ has been to me? Am I going to overcome evil with good? Or am I going to justify my actions and find that I'm actually repaying evil for evil? Am I going to lay down my life follow him or am I going to need to be right oh that's so convicting Amen. guys don't get lulled to sleep don't make it something it's not don't soft pedal it I didn't come to you angry I didn't come to you and put pressure on you a guilt trip I just read scripture after scripture I feel love in my heart I'm excited encouraged and just believe in the best I flew all the way down here just to have a crack at you all. (laughs) Run after him with all your heart. Don't let anything change your mind. You're so young. You have so many challenges, so many counter thoughts, so many things that seem right. But if they don't produce life, they can't be him. Use that as a measuring stick your whole life. If the way you're thinking isn't produced in life, then it can't be him. You'll remember that. That just got in you, I'm telling you. And one day you'll be thinking you go, duh. My face might even come in front of you. You'll be laying on your bed, open your eyes, and ah! Then you look back and I'm going. Just a little reminder. Will you pray with me? Will you take your heart before the Lord and just give yourself to him in sincerity? Apart from any other factor in your life, apart from your spouse, apart from your children, apart from your parents, would you in your heart get bold tonight and say, you know what, God, I'm coming after you for real. And no matter what's going on, what factors I'm facing and who's doing what and who's not doing what, it doesn't change the truth of who you are and what you've created me to be. And I'm not going to let a thing stop me from apprehending and living what you paid for. Man, if you bought a product at the store and paid good money and it didn't do what you paid for, we'd take it back. Thank God he doesn't take nobody back. He just empowers us, convicts us, and keeps on loving us. Would you take advantage of that tonight? Not in a bad way, but a good way. Would you let him love you if you need forgiveness? Would you let him forgive you? If you know you've been selfish, come on, you already know it. Just go, duh. Let repentance look like that. Like, duh, what was I thinking? You don't need to cry it in order. You just need to change your mind. And you just say, man, I see it for what it is. What a dead end street. I've been on it and I'm done traveling it. I'm done driving in circles. I'm going to get to where he paid for. I'm in. Would you say that in your heart to him tonight? I'm in. Father, I just thank you for your grace in this room tonight. I thank you, God, that you empower us to live what you paid for. I pray that you bring these convictions fresh to our heart all the time. Holy Spirit, that you would work in us and work with us, that you would take every ounce of sincerity and just capitalize on it and make the most of it and bring these things to our remembrance and begin to fashion us and form us great. Potter that you are and mold us into the very thing you've always seen and the very thing you paid for. Father, I'm asking for the restoration, redemption of relationships, of families, of marriages, of child-parent relationships. I do this a lot. I do it when I hear it. I hear it right now. If you're married and your spouse is right here and you, you say, man, I'm listening to you, Dan, and I'm not listening for my spouse. I'm not listening to your sermon for them. I'm listening for me. And I know I haven't lived Christ in my marriage. I haven't lived like I could and I know I've, done a lot of things that express self-centeredness and i don't want that I don't want that for them i don't want that in our marriage and i'm listening to you pastor and i i want change in my life and i want them to know and i'm telling you if you if you nobody's looking if you just get their hand somehow just get their hand in your hand and and it's your way of saying hey honey i know things have been this or that or whatever they've been but And without words, you just take their hand watch how supernatural. I've seen this happen. It's so amazing, the testimonies I get from this because of sincere repentance. When you squeeze their hand, here's what you're saying. I'm listening to this man, and I ain't listening for you. I'm listening for me. And I haven't loved you like Jesus does. I just want you to know that I want to begin. And would you give me that chance? And you just put a little pressure on their hand. And I'll tell you what, spouse, if you won't pull your hand away, but you'll actually put pressure back on their hand, that you saying, ditto, honey, I'm listening for me, and I want the honor of loving you like he does. Let's start this thing anew, and let's walk out of here pursuing love. Father, I renounce every unresolved conflict, tension. I pray you take layers off of people's hearts and take blindness off of their emotional eyes, and I pray you give brand new starts in this room. I pray that you refresh it and you rekindle the covenant of marriage and love in this room. I pray, Lord God, that you treat marriages like no adversity ever came. Like, like they never said a thing they regretted. That you would wait, uh, wash it all away and wake them up to this truth. Father, if they're faithful and, and in faith to squeeze each other's hands right now, I thank you they have grace beyond description. To walk out of here and not hold a conversation of the past but live in the fresh and in the new. And I pray that they come back and testify even to their leadership and say, it's amazing how God put us in a new place. When they see each other, let them see what you see. When they talk, let them speak from the place you abide. And let love reign in the homes of our people. And as surely as you live, let the whole earth Be full of your glory in this generation. God, I thank you for the healing of marriages. I thank you for new starts. In Jesus' name. It's really late. There's a way I pray for the sick when I travel. There's a thing I do. It takes a long time. Because I teach and and it's important. And I don't know. I've never done it on a Sunday. I might do it tomorrow. I don't even let nobody play music when we do it not that you, you should keep playing I actually don't let any work because because when you pray for the sick in Walmart parking lot you don't have the blessing of her with you she ain't in a little fold-out box in a mini honey I shrunk the worship leader right it ain't like you just open a box and there's April just in the groove and you sit her on the hood of the car and you feel it for about two minutes and say okay we're gonna pray because he's here no you don't have that You have feelings. You have a little bit of self-conflict. You have them maybe rolling their eyes, just trying to be nice and not blow you off. So I just do a certain thing and we pray a certain way. I'm not going to do that tonight. I don't feel the privilege, but we'll we'll pray for the sick a little different, but it won't be without results. Jesus is a healer. You know why he heals? Because he loves. It ain't because we prayed right. Your prayer never heals the sick. It's your faith in what he accomplished. You know what we do when we pray? We're sincere. We're not evil. When we pray, you know what we do? We try to pray right, powerful, and anointed. We get self-conscious, and all our focus begins to be on our prayer, not what we believe. And we already stopped this thing before it started. Because if God's moving through that, then we all better learn to pray better and go to prayer college. But be made whole in Jesus' name is probably plenty when there's a revelation of his love, stretch forth your hand. I bet Jesus was onto something. We'll receive your sight. Get up and walk. It wasn't, Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. And Father, I just thank you right now And you quote four scriptures, express your voice. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) I'm just saying. I've been around us a long time. And I've just seen the stuff we do and I've done it myself. And I'm done doing it. I'm putting all my faith in him. When I pray for somebody, it's because I know Jesus loves them. I already believe it's his will to heal. I'm I'm done fighting over that. I won't even fight with you. I've, I've seen too much. I haven't seen enough. I need to see more because my life doesn't look like scripture yet. But man, I've seen way too much to change my mind. And everybody I touched hasn't jumped and screamed hallelujah and danced and shouted. But I've seen way too many things to back off now. So I'm just going to believe He loves you. I'm just going to pray for you and I'm just going to trust God. These signs shall follow those that are gifted. These signs shall follow those that pastor. These signs shall follow those who carry a healing anointing and have a healing ministry. The body of Christ is a healing ministry. It's called believers. And these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay their hands on the sick. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. We get so caught up in the healing aspect, the will of God, and will they get healed, and won't they get healed, that we don't even put our hand out there. And the first sign of believers, get your hands on somebody we get so caught up in the healing, we pull our hand back. Some of us don't pray because we're afraid nothing will happen. When you don't pray because you're afraid nothing will happen, you already have what you're afraid of. And that's pretty self-focused. So who are you protecting? You're like protecting nothing. So if you're a believer... I don't know if you know who Norval Hayes was and is. But Norval Hayes wrote a little mini book about being a believer. And when you open it up, it looked like a Dick and Sally or whatever book or Jane and whatever. I forget those people when we were kids. They were such terrible books, I forgot their names. See Jane run and all that stuff, I guess. Are you a believer? Question mark. Caps. Little mini book. It's all the pages. Are you a believer? Are you sure? Do you lay hands on the sick? Hmm. Well, then I guess you don't believe. And then he went on and expounded and wrote a regular book. But he opened it up like that in this little book I saw. And I was like, whoa, that's so bad. Because these signs shall follow those that believe. They will lay their hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. When you pray for the sick, you believe God loves them and he paid a price. And because he forgives them, he heals them. Oh, it's scripture. It says, is any among you sick? Let them ask the elders of the church to pray over you. Praying the prayer of faith and prayer of faith will save the sick. Not the anointing oil, the prayer of faith. Will save the sick. And if they've sinned, the Lord will forgive them. It says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be. They tear open the roof and lower the boy down. He says, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. He's such a teacher. Now you know they didn't tear off the roof to hear him say that. But he said it. And what'd they do? He said, why do you always bicker and debate and think evil things in your mind? What is easier to say, your sins are forgiven arise and walk, but to show you the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. Get up and walk. He attached it together. He married them. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name and forget not His benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases when you pray for the sick you don't turn faith into a point in time it's not try me see if you like me 30 day money back guarantee it's I believe you God
2: I believe you
0: I believe your word I believe your unstoppable love and I believe you're a healer like you're a forgiver in Jesus name be all and you might not see nothing change and that's where you better not change My wife was in a coma, severe brain damage. They thought she would die. Went in and prayed, 20 seconds. Gave her the best I got. She just laid there and kept sucking on that tube. Oops, that's where we fall apart. Looked at my son and smiled and said, you ready to go boy? We did what we came for. Mama will be fine. That wasn't plan B. That wasn't a cop out. The cynical says, I'm in denial, but the cynical is an unbeliever. I'm not threatened by the cynical. I'm threatened by unbelief. I'm not threatened by the intellectual. I'm threatened by unbelief. An hour later, my wife opens her eyes. Completely normal. Any medical people? You got a nurse or anybody with background in medical stuff here? Anybody? Nurse? Nurse. You nurse? My wife had an hour-long seizure. Oh, painful. I watched it. She bounced off them bumpers, growling like an animal, fixed for one hour. They gave her two different forms of shots to try to bring her out of it. A doctor walked in and saw the state of it and ask how long and when they said how long he freaked out called the shots they had her life support innovated in no time they checked her EEG severe brain damage because of an hour long seizure loss of oxygen making sense medically okay to my knowledge ma'am and I don't know if you're trained in this but answer if you can to my knowledge if you and I have a mini seizure that we're maybe not even aware of the residual of that seizure will show up on a scan the residual. And they'll actually say, wow, you had some seizure activity. You say, really? I didn't even know. I just knew I felt a little whatever. And they say a seizure that actually manifests shows up on the thing pretty easy. So what would an hour-long seizure look like on an EEG? Am I telling something here? Okay. So my wife wakes up out of the coma. They go, what? They run a new EEG. There's not one trace of a residual of a seizure that I watched for an hour. Is that medically possible? The doctor is so mind blown he runs to me he's overwhelmed because he sees Jesus in me the whole time. I didn't know this but the tending nurse was the neighbor of the teacher my wife works for. Small world you ought to be an epistle read by men. This lady's coming home and she's running over how is she? How is she? How is she? Well... It's amazing. She this, she this, she this. But do you know her husband? This is what she's saying. What is up with her husband? Like the way he carries himself, the peace he brings. You can see he loves her, but he's totally unmoved. Like it's amazing. Like she's telling I ain't trying to minister. I'm just living Christ. I ain't walking in there. Okay. Got to represent Jesus. Got to do everything I travel and preach. Hey, guys, that would be weird. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor, he ran to me. He said, Dan, your wife's doing incredible. She woke up. She's totally awake. I said, I know. That's why I'm here. I was just getting the shower, and the Lord told me to come in, that great increase was taking place. I knew it. And he said, this is incredible. He said, Dan, she's coherent, she's alert. we ran an EDG, she doesn't even have brain residuals of a seizure, dysfunctional activity. It's like she never even had the seizure. I said, sir, it's the redemption of Christ. It's like it never happened. He redeems. He brings you back to original value. I said, doctor, I want to thank you for everything you've done for my wife. And I honored him. And he shut me down and said, damn, we did nothing. We were at the end of our medical knowledge. We were in the most frustrated place we ever liked to be or want to be, where we are powerless and don't have an answer because it's neurological, it's brain. It's... We didn't do that. I said, well, I know you didn't do that, but you loved her. You did a lot. And that's what I'm thanking you for. Watch what he did as a doctor. Head of ICU. Bursts out in tears, so overwhelmed. His medical-knowledged brain is so blown apart, he don't know what else to do but cry and fall on me. So I just stand there and hold him as long as he wants. Because I had a man of God told me once, when somebody initiates a hug and follows on you in despair, don't you let him go till they're ready. You wait till they let go. So I thought, I'll hold you all day if I have to, buddy. I ain't letting you go. I liked him in my arms. Get him Holy Ghost. See, when God comes and blows your mind, because you live out of your mind so much, when he supersedes that thing, oh, he's about to get you. That man cried and fell on me when he wrote out her discharge paper several days later because they had to watch her for liabilities because of the extreme of, they had to make sure she was good as a hospital. He said, I have never seen a medical recovery of this magnitude in my whole medical profession. And it boggles my mind to think that I'm signing a discharge paper knowing your state just several days ago. I said, well, you know who we can blame. He happens to be my king, and he lives inside of me. I tell people all the time when he moves on their life, I'm sitting in airplanes. They say, how's this happen? I said, he's Jesus, and he lives in me. And I'm telling you, he wants to live in you. He gets them every time. They say, how? Fire, ah. No, I'm just kidding. Jesus heals us because he loves us. If you were prayed for and you didn't get healed in your life, you've been prayed for a bunch of times and you feel like, man, and you're struggling, stop struggling. Stop getting moved off of the truth. You stay in a place of faith and say, Father, I just know you're touching me. I know you're healing me. I know you're making all things new because there's one thing that I'll never change my mind on. You love me. And you can't let your body not changing challenge if he loves you because his love is already rooted and grounded and established through Christ crucified. Christ crucified is the revelation and measuring stick of God loving you, not whether your prayers seem to have answered. You don't get laid off and have an accident in the same week and then challenge and question God's love. God's love is supposed to be settled and established through Christ crucified. The love of God is not challenged because you had a car wreck. The love of God is confirmed because Christ came. So if faith works through love and we're questioning love, when are we ever having faith? We're just people moved by despair. And we're always people in need instead of people in covenant. When my wife's in a coma, I'm not a desperate man. I'm still a man of God. And I still believe God's love for her. And I'm not saying this as a plan B, but deep in my heart, I've already settled this. If anything would happen to anyone dear in my life, how's it changed truth? Am I still anointed? Am I still called? Do we still have destiny? Did we lose or is it win-win? Because even if I lose my wife to that seizure and to that brain damage and she dies, watch this, I miss her physically. She's not here. Can't text her, can't hug her, can't sit with her. But man, I know she's forever alive in him. And even though we die, yet we shall live. And Jesus said, do you believe this? Yes, I do. Are you with me? So I've settled in my heart a long time ago. It's already win-win, we already won. My brother fell over dead October ago. Not this one, the one before. We're hunters. Some of you all hunters down in the south. We're hunters. We like killing Bambi's dad and eating him. So my brother killed Bambi's dad and he's pumped and happy and we're taking pictures. And we butchered it right in the yard and I live in a suburb and I have neighbors. I built a hanging post in my yard. My neighbor said, what is that? I said, I've just become the leader of Block Watch. (laughs) They went. Because it looks like an old Western hanging post that year we put 16 deer on that thing because we're allowed four each and there's four of us that hunt and we got them all. And my little neighbor girl would run out and say, are you doing this again? Homeschooling. She said it was her outside biology class. (laughs) But he's at my house and we took pictures. He's got his buckets of meat and he's heading to the butcher. He's so fired up. He's getting hot Italian sausage and sweet Italian sausage. And he said, I can't wait to get my sausage. He leaves my house. It's the last day I saw my brother. He went in the butcher shop and he's happy because he got his deer. You're just happy when you get your deer. And they love him in the butcher shop. He's a man of God. The lady said she said he was happier than usual. He's always kind. We weighed out his meat, and I grabbed my book and said, so what do you want to do? And when I turn around, he's on the floor. Cardiac arrest, heart just stopped, boom, lost my brother. I'm in a tree stand, I'm hunting. I have my phone off, because I'm going in, and I don't want anything. I just need to get in, and I'm in there, and I thought, I need to text my brother and let him know where I'm at, so he doesn't, just so he knows, because he might want to go, and I don't even know if he's going tonight, because he got that deer, and he might, but I need to let him know. And I open up my phone, and it's all blowed up with all my family and his wife, and I'm like, what? I listened to her voicemail, and that's how I found out. Is it real? Yeah. Did I cry? Phew. I think I cried harder than anything I cried about since I've been saved. I miss my brother to this day. I miss him bad. I miss him more now than I missed him when he died, because time revealed how much I miss him, because he was like my best friend. We did everything together. Can I talk about it? Yeah. Do I miss him? Yeah. But I don't grieve as if I have no hope. He didn't say you don't grieve. He said you don't grieve as if you have no hope. It's a win-win. You try to get my brother back. You bring him down right now and he preached to us for five (laughs) minutes, he'd wreck us all. My brother came for five minutes and preached, fire in his eyes. It would be crazy. I'm happy for my brother. He believed on Jesus. And he can't lose. I'm happy for my family because we all believe, and we ain't losing either. We miss him, but we ain't losing. We ain't hard. We ain't angry. We ain't mad at God. Why'd you let him die? Why didn't you let him live? He was such a good guy. Why are these evil people living and good people are dying? Now you got some beef with God? No, you're deceived. You're on a rant, and stop. Are you with me? <laughs> So I'm telling you straight up, my brother just fell over dead. Unexpected, totally healthy, and a total shock. But truth's the same. I'm no less anointed, I'm no less called, and God's no less good. Are you with me? Don't you let death, hitting close to home, change who he is in your heart. You covet God, the giver of life, not what he gave. Are you with me?
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: Let's pray for the sick real quick. We'll do this real quick. I, I'm just going to do it quick, but it won't be ineffective. I'm just telling you, God's too good, and I see this too much. So, and don't not participate, and don't say, "Ah, oh, I'm not getting prayed for anymore." Because nothing ever changes. Something must be wrong. I gotta be doing something wrong. Something's gotta be blocking my healing. Stop. You have no permission to go there tonight. Okay. So if that's where your head's going, cut it off and let him be your head. Put Christ on your shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Who would say healing would be amazing? If they'd receive healing, that would be awesome that their body is less than whole. Raise your hand high. Let me see you. Look around, people. If you're sitting real near somebody, just grab a hand. Get a hand. Say, hey, I'm going to believe with you right now. Just grab a hand. If you see somebody, grab a hand. Touch them. Make sure everybody's accounted for. Okay? Okay? Y'all going to believe for each other? Will you do it? Okay, good. Because you all raised your hand, right? But we're going to believe for each other. That's good. That works. I'm glad you girls are participating. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to put any confidence in your prayer. I want you to put your confidence in his fact, the fact that he loves the person you're about to pray for. And this is all I want you to do tonight with conviction. You can't go wrong. We can't miss this thing. It's too easy. Believe in God, loves that person. I want you to say this. The person we're praying for, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to pray in tongues. I don't want you to grit your teeth and say you're receiving. I want you to say, Father, you have to love me or you'd have never sent your son. If you're being prayed for tonight, that's all I want in your heart. You have to love me or you'd have never sent your son. Thank you for loving me. If you're praying for him, let's do it together right now as a family. Just say this. Be made whole. In Jesus' name, no more sickness, no more weakness, and no more pain. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Father, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay. I rarely do it like that because I have to teach and do things, but I felt like I taught just enough of that. Father, we just thank you. That you're doing unstoppable things. We thank you. Testimonies will come out. Now listen. As you get up. As you rise. As you set. As time. You go home. You get in your car. People know. Some people know right away. But as you realize. My body's changed. Make sure you tell someone. Make sure you tell someone in this house. Someone in the body. Tell somebody. A leader. Just let people know. Hey. God is moving. And God is in our midst. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just phenomenal. I've seen. So many things changed and so many things heal. Tonight, I felt like I needed to cheer you on. And I taught a long time and I shared a lot of stuff. But uh, it was good. I'm just kidding. But it did feel good. But listen, it felt right. I felt like the Lord's instructing us tonight. It wasn't a real ministry time. It wasn't have a lot of call stuff. It was, this is who you are. This is what I paid for. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, give yourself to it. That's really what we did tonight. And hopefully, it landed on everything you're pursuing, everything you're pouring out, and everything you're going after. I know these guys didn't take the step of faith to be in Lafayette, because they just want to do church. They want to be her. And they want lives transformed and changed, living in the truth, in a way that makes a difference within our spheres of influence. True? Like you ain't just trying to do good church and people like to come and say, oh, we love you so much, Miss April. Right? I just think they're deeper than that. The little bit I've been around them. Let's make sure we go with them and go deep and be the body of Christ right here. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your time.
1: Come on, let's just thank the Lord for the gift of the Lord to us tonight. (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Just go ahead and take your seats really quickly. I'm not going to take much more time. You know, I just want to say how much religion has got us to put the cart before the horse in our serving the Lord, in our giving our lives to Him. How, How we miss just the simplicity of the Scripture that says, The goodness of God leads a man to repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. There can be no repentance. It's not repentance produces godly sorrow. It's not repentance produces the goodness of God. Without the goodness of God showing up first... There can be no equal matching. That repentance cannot work without God first coming and visiting and you and revealing Himself to you. Imposs- it's impossible. What is godly sorrow? And why do we have godly sorrow that leads to repentance? Why? Why? Godly sorrow means something encountered you to produce a godly sorrow inside of you. That godly sorrow is God's goodness showing up to you, which produces the fruit of repentance. Are you with me? God's goodness is the root. Repentance just becomes the fruit. It's not the other way around. I want to tell you here tonight, what you heard was, Something you said today, which I've said a couple of times. You said that this morning. In Galatians 4.19, the Apostle Paul says this, Beloved, I travail just like a woman in labour, that Christ be formed in you. And I said to to Dan, I said, that was the heart of the Apostle Paul. And I call that the apostolic burden. And in essence, I know you don't run around calling yourself a title. Your identity is not found in all of that. But it's an apostolic anointing that comes to establish you in the faith, in the truth. Because when all the dust settles here, what you heard was the exaltation of the person of Jesus. Not how good you are, how wonderful you are, or how terrible you are. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's got to do with him. He is the center of it all. And you heard a message that placed him on the throne tonight. No fluff, no smoke, no mirrors. It is what it is, it's the gospel. Beloved, I pray that, that Christ might be formed. Like He carried a burden. Your burden, that's a burden you carry. It is it is a burden in a sense you carry because your desire is what I've encountered. I want you to encounter this reality that, that I'm walking in. I want you to walk in it as, as a church. It's not just for me, it's for you. Why? Because it's for all believers. Say that with me. I am a believer everything that He functions in, you can function in. Come on, it's empowering the church. It's giving you purpose. And the last thing I'm gonna say before we win, hey, guess what? We are receiving an offering. Woohoo! come on, somebody. We're not doing it because He begged for one. He didn't ask for one. I said, we're going to receive, oh no, but you don't need, we're going to receive an offering, that's it. We're getting there. But the last thing I'm going to say, because you know, you can't hand me the mic and have me say nothing. The last thing I'm going to say is the book of Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 29. It says that, whom He foreknew, He predestined. To be conformed, Paul said. He said, "Beloved, I, I, I travail in birth that that Christ might be formed in you. For whom He formed you, He also predestined to be conformed into His image. That He would be the firstborn among many brethren. Are you with me?" But the word predestined there, and I said that to him this morning, I said the word predestined comes from the word destiny. Guess what? Let me just tell you this. What you heard tonight was actually destiny being spoken over your life. Guess what? God's destiny for your life is not a location. Somebody say that with me. Destiny is not a location and how we boil everything that God has for us into a place that we're gonna arrive at and have all this wonderful stuff. No, 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 what happens if you arrive at the place but you don't carry the person? destiny. He said, you are predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. What does that mean? Destiny isn't a place or a location. Destiny is a person and it's Jesus. And Paul said, I travail that that person be formed in you because if He is formed in you everything changes. Come on. Hey, 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 get out of my way. How many of you remember Fat Albert? anybody watch Fat Albert? I watch Fat Albert. That's how I feel. Get out of my way. We're coming. we're here to do kingdom business. We are here for kingdom endeavours. Not so that we can look great. We're not running after the numbers. We don't care about numbers. We want people to be filled with the Holy Ghost and His power. So that we can lift Him up so that He can be exalted. And if He be lifted up, He'll draw all men unto Himself. Hallelujah. Well, sorry, that's just out of the overflow. I feel stirred up just by listening. Come on, we got the Gospel here tonight. Put away, put, a, put away the old stuff. Put a religion out of the way. Come on, get rid of religion. Get rid of that stinking thinking. Put on Christ. All right, now I'm gonna ask some of our destiny guys quickly if you can go. We're gonna do things a little bit differently to make it quick. And that's, that's not what we're not making the, honour, the offering less honouring here tonight because I said we're gonna do it quick, but we wanna get you out. We wanna honour you. Thank you for your time. If I can have five volunteers from destiny, go ahead and grab every one of the envelopes. Just pass them out. That doesn't mean if we pass them out, take one. If you don't put anything in it, it's okay. But remember, we have cameras. We know if you're giving or not. No, we don't. We don't have any cameras. (laughs) Just grab the envelopes and pass them down the row. Pass them down the row. We just wanna make sure we do this quickly. How many of you feel, you know, you you don't have to do anything. Just do what the Spirit of the Lord tells you to do. No manipulation, none of that. I like to call it a response offering. You're responding to what, what, you've, what the Lord ministered to you tonight. Yeah yeah we're, yeah, yeah, we're gonna get there in just a second. So if you have, now let me make this clear. Everybody, on the envelopes, look at me now, I need your attention. On the envelope, it says guest speaker. Make sure you check the mark that says guest speaker, all right? especially for those of you that are on Destiny. Make sure you check uh, guest speaker on the envelope. We wanna make sure that every dollar that comes in this offering goes to Dan Moeller. For those of you watching by way of live stream, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Go to, uh, I think it's called Your Support. Click on Your Support. Go down to the drop-down menu where it says give. You can have a couple of options in the drop-down menu. It's gonna be tithe offering and then it's gonna be guest speaker. Click on the guest speaker. If you hear here and you don't, if you wanna use your smartphone, do the same thing. And then finally, you can text uh, the word give to uh, 337-434-3777, where you can give safely and securely. And then if you are writing out checks, Make them out to DRM, that's or Destiny Revival Ministries. DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think that's everybody. Was that clear enough? Mark, guest speaker, please. Hallelujah. We're so honored. What a blessing. You know, we are enriched. Thank you. Thank you for going and being led by the Spirit. Not everybody's wanting to go to, you know, some people, I mean, I'm just being honest. Some people just want to go, you know, they want to they fill their itinerary with the biggest places on the planet. But you're led by the Spirit and we're so honoured for that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. While, while the keyboard's playing behind me, we need to figure out of, a way to shrink my wife and attach her to a PA system that we can just pull out no matter where we go. Just push a button and there she pops out playing beautiful music behind. It would be awesome. If you're ready to give, say amen. All right, we're gonna pass the offering basket around. When you put the envelope in, put your envelope in. Do not take two out. hallelujah look you'll be surprised what happens in churches hallelujah all right we just want to get this through here some of you are looking like please let my people go you will be delivered in 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 a few seconds thank you jesus how many of you blessed tonight come on Woo, come on, I, don't, I mean, look, if, you didn't, I'll, if you're not blessed, I'll take everything that you didn't get blessed by. I'll, I'll take your portion and your portion and well, I'll just take it all. Let me just say, say that. Hallelujah. I think that's everybody. Are we good? Anybody still have to put the envelope in? Mallory, you can leave that here if they want
2: to still leave
1: come up and give it. Yeah. Uh, you have up, children and
2: children's services. Up
1: here means where? Here, keyboard, right? uh, okay. If you want to, if you still have to give, just come and put it in on the on the keyboard, in the in the envelope box. Hallelujah. I
2: um, have children, the children's services immediately so please grab your children. Um, I'll take your tag and have, get your children for you so that there's not a mad rush, but our workers have been working very hard uh, for the last four hours, so please make sure you get your kids before you chit-chat or have any fellowship.
1: Yeah, so we can relieve our volunteers. David, I didn't recognise you, man. Seriously, I was like, it took me a while. You're like a master of disguise. (laughs) No, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just couldn't, you know, anyway. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's... Father, we thank You for tonight. Lord, we thank You for Your glory. We thank You for the exaltation of Jesus. Father, I thank You, Lord, that we walk out of this place. Let it not just be another service, Father. But I thank You for the anointing, the weightiness of Your uh, anointing upon every word, Father. Let it be deposited. Let there be a head bypass. Go straight to the hearts of Your people, Lord. And I thank You that their minds follow suit in Jesus' Name. Lord, I thank You that when they wake up, there will be such a reality, Father, of who You are in them. Father, no longer will they wake up depressed or concerned about the future, but passionate about the purposes that you have set before them. In the mighty name of Jesus and all those that love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Go in the blessing of the Lord. We love you everybody. God bless you.